Hello, and welcome to episode 204 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, Forever Noise, the man, the myth, the sous chef, Alessandro Bailsi. Say hello, Al. Yes, chef. On this week's episode, we've got Man... Well, uh, well, we have Mando Season 3 trailer to discuss, but as far as my auto-corrected notes, we have Mandu Season 3 nice. to discuss. Um, Mandu Season 3. Uh, Titanic Mystery solved, finally, after all these years. <laughs> Ted Lasso Season 3 first look, all before diving into our flick of the week, The Menu. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We are drinking Treehouse Mega Treat, which... They should have come up with a better name because I keep wanting to say Treehouse Mega Tree because sure. it just feels like that's how it should flow. Yeah. Um, ah, you got me. That <laughs> like, being, yeah. yeah. That being said, it's Mega Treat. It's a hugely hopped rendition of Super Treat, building upon the base of Super Treat with a substantially larger milk bill. <laughs> I was a milk ball, malt bill, um, and a sweeter base beer. Mega Treat is ideally suited to absorb a big hop onslaught. In spite of this, it drinks like the most outstanding juicy hop beverage that you can imagine. Candied orange, candied mango, and a blend of tropical starburst flavors blast out of the can upon opening this beer. With love, THBC. (laughs) Um... There's a lot. There's a lot of. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah. <laughs> in that, I'm hoping that it lives up to expectations. Uh, props to you for being able to read the can. The lighting in my office is so horrible, so horrible. It's that... not great in mine either. And the <laughs> w- they could have given us a blank space on this <laughs> label where they did it, but instead, it's across wavy lines, some of which are shiny and some of which are not. And that right. it was actually a struggle. Yeah. Um, Trias Double IPA. One pint, alcohol, 8.7% by volume, Britain, <sighs> Charlton, Massachusetts. Or is it Charlton? Charlton. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, the label is also embossed. Yes. What's that about? Uh, I don't know. The extra, it, somebody who knows about like different classes of paper is like, oh my. <laughs> can we, can you please send me your... Your finest cardstock aficionados. <laughs> All right, now help, help me out here. We've got I love brew. These yep. are so these are little candy hearts. You know those horrible candy hearts that you get. That's yeah, from, what these are. from Necco. Yeah, so we have I like uh, I like the B mine one that has it's actually beer mine, but the yes. E R is in parentheses. <laughs> Heart THBC in perp. Yeah, I don't know, like in perpetuity, I guess. But I why? guess, but like, what's the beer pun? I don't know, actually. Huh. Only, only brew. Cool. I'm looking forward to this. I always like Treehouse beers. Uh, uh, this is one of the ones that, that Frank tends to stop by and give me a whole bunch from. So, um, hi, Frank. I, but the, <laughs> this, 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 that is so clearly a Tootsie Pop, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Which is a little We're odd. Also, it's either a Tootsie Pop having an acid trip or, this is um, the necromancer revealing itself to be Lord Sauron in mm. one of the Hobbit movies, or it's <laughs> that scene in Annihilation that feels like it's half an hour long. That's actually only about two and a half minutes long. Yeah, I, I, I think it's that. That I could definitely, <laughs> I could definitely see that because when I look at this can, I actually I hear yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's all over the place. I let's give this one a taste, shall we? Cheers. Whoa. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on a second. What? That is a I mean, that might as well be a cappuccino. Look at the 
<laughs> Can you see the head on this beer on mine? Yeah, yours has a lot more head to what it. Is well, going I also on? I poured mine to like the very top of the th- No, but even yeah, you had much more head retention on yours. And it, yeah, and it's bouncy. Mine's it's not going like, anywhere anytime soon. Alright. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> there you go. Mm, it does, uh, you you can sip all you want. I'm just gonna smell it for now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The head is so good on that beer that you're drinking that you had a milk mustache of I- <laughs> Of hop foam. <laughs> it's called the Belgian dip. <laughs> Man, that is, um, that's delightful. And you know what's funny? It's, I can, can confirm on the label, that is a Tootsie Pop. Because this tastes like an orange Tootsie Pop. Okay, I guess I could see that. I, it, I, you know, the recall is not there for me because that's typically a flavor I've probably avoided. I, uh, I will go for I, the, I, the cherry or the raspberry. I'm with you. I'm the, with you uh, on avoiding the chocolate. orange. However, I will take orange Tootsie Pop over no Tootsie Pop any day. Well, the only one I want to really actively avoid is the grape one because I just don't do fake grape flavor very well. Yeah. What is have. fake grape fa- flavor? Because it's not grape. It's definitely not. Uh, just like, well, but most of the fruit flavors for most of our lives <laughs> didn't really reflect the flavor. Like, the only ones that ever came close typically was like lemon flavored things. That's true. I guess. Yeah, that's, that's fair. All the other flavors are whatever. Like, like when you when it's cherry flavored thing, you're thinking like cherry candy flavored thing, not an actual cherry. Same thing with and, grape. Like, I love grapes. Yeah. I hate grape flavored things. Mm. I love cherries. Cherry flavored things are fine, but they don't taste like cherries. No, they don't. They don't. They, <laughs> I, I I do like grape flavored things, but I don't. I'm not about to pretend that they they taste like grapes. So watermelon of- is the only one that is like. It does taste like watermelon. However, yeah. it's like they took the very subtle, like the really sweet part, like that underlying tone that's in the actual watermelon, and did they just dialed that shit up like all the way, like too far? That's the thing and is, they, like concentrated it. <laughs> a lot of the watermelon flavor is pretty subtle, like, mm-hmm. and it's like watermelon flavored things can be like overpowering. It's like yeah. doing too much. I'm just picturing <laughs> Kylo Ren. More <laughs> injecting the flavor into whatever it is. <laughs> so, would you say that in spite of this, it drinks like the most outstanding juicy hop beverage that you can imagine? I think that I have to knock half a thuckle. I, not half a thuckle. I have to knock a thuckle off just because they're a little bit um, too confident in their description. There, Ooh, I right, found the per- the perfect angle where I can actually read this properly. I had to like and, turn it with a weird <laughs> to turn angle. it just slightly. You have to. You actually have to read it through a prism. Well, before I, before <laughs> and during when I was reading it, I was, I don't know if you saw, I was manipulating the can to try and get the best, and I finally found a weird angle that works for it. <laughs> You're shining a light on it that's reflecting the words on the wall. It's like, it's like very Nicolas Cage in National Treasure. Well, I was going to say not to evoke the Lord of the Rings again, but I'm thinking mm. when he takes the ring out of the fire and you can see the, the script projected on the wall when it first, yes. when it, when he first puts it in the, the fireplace and he takes it out and you first see the script pop up when Gandalf thinks for half a second that maybe it's not the one ring. Yeah. <laughs> so Gandalf's still hoping that that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Fuck. <laughs> Basically. So it did follow up. I, you know, I, I didn't really process all of this cause I was just trying to get through it. Mm-hmm. Candied orange, candied mango and a blend of tropical starburst flavors. Blasted out of this can. I don't get. Fugitives blasted out of most of the spaceport. <laughs> Sorry. When I hear blasted out of something, that's what I think of. <laughs> I don't get the mango so much. I do get the other flavors. Uh, I Definitely orange is more prominent. I mm-hmm. wouldn't have picked the mango out if 
you had just given it to me blind, but now that yeah. I'm looking for it, I do detect it lingering in the background. I kind of like. I feel like I, if I do taste it, I'm tasting like an unripened mango. It's lurking in the back in the way that, say, maybe when an out of focus old lady's hands twitch on screen of The Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> so you watched it. I, did, <laughs> I watched it. We'll talk about More it later. On that soon. Um, yeah, no, this is good. I, I'm gonna go. I think I'm torn between Dos and Tris Thuckles. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to land on this. Oh, one. Where, wow. where okay, are you so at? That's surprising. I was gonna go between three and four thuckles. Three and four. All right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go three then. You want to meet at the middle and three? Mm-hmm. It's not like to me. It's not a four. It's not. It's got. It's missing something. I don't know what it is. Like there's a. It's a certain drinkability. I mean, it's very drinkable. Don't get me wrong. But like there's like. This is it for me, right? It's just going to be this one. I wouldn't, even if I had two, I wouldn't have the second one after this, which is, that's fine too. I, you don't I have think, to, that's not going to necessarily make it a four, a four thuckle. It's just, there's something about it where I'm like, I, it's good. It's I very part good. part of it's probably the alcohol content for you would be my guess. Yeah, that could be it. Because you, you do also detect that lingering in the background. Yeah. Um, I could, I could see that. Also, it has... Even though there's not any fruit juice in there, maybe it's just so evocative of the orange and mango that it feels like I'm drinking something acidic. Even I, I'm, I'm with not. you on that too. I get, uh, yeah, I get that. Like that kind it's of after because effect that you get after you drink orange juice. Yeah, almost like the astringency <laughs> coming after too. It's it's odd because like it's got it's got that juiciness. It definitely has that, but it's it's also not. It's like weirdly like it seems like it's about to be very juicy and sweet, but then it's not. It's more bitter. I'm okay with that. I it's think like it's pithy. a good balance. It, it, yeah. I think it's got good balance on that. It's yeah. It because it definitely starts sweet and like kind of bitters out on like the after like on, like as it lingers on your palate. But that kind of yeah. balance of power transfer type of thing, uh, I think I kind of like for this. Yeah, and I'm totally I'm I'm down with that. I appreciate that style. Like, I, it's not like my number one type of style. So that's I think that's what kind of prevents it from being a four thuckle for me. Or, but like the the two and three was I was going back and forth between like some of the some of the notes that I'm not loving, but at the same time, they the more I'm drinking it, the more I'm appreciating it. So like I'll, I'll, I think three is right. Three is a yeah. three three thuckles feels appropriate. It's funny I had the opposite experience. You. Liked it, but didn't love it, but now it's growing on you and me. Whereas, like, the first sip or two, I was like, wow, this is fantastic. And now I'm like, as it's kind of settling in, I'm like, this is really good, but maybe we got a little too over our skis to begin with. You, you, there's some, there's still something that seems weird to me. Like, I don't know if it's like, I feel like the body doesn't quite match the rest of the flavor. And, like, that's throwing me off, too. Well, I think that probably goes to... They said about it being super sweet, like they upped the malt bill for this one mm. to balance out the extra bittering that they were doing. I don't Interesting. Know. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, at the end of the day, you're you're gonna hover around three and four thuckles with treehouse. So, like, it's it's better. It's still better than most beer. Like, I would even throw yeah. it out there. You know what I mean? Uh, but good stuff. Good. Uh, thank you for bringing this one. I will say, if freshness is which it, it, they're always about to enjoy fresh. This is old. It is. So that's it, was, it wasn't that old when I gave it to you though. No, no, <laughs> I, I I know that, but uh, this it also could be on us. So I, I will also caveat that. Yeah, I don't know. It's a three thuckle asterisk. <laughs> <laughs>
listen, if it's like on the fringe of four, like I don't know how much like additional freshness was gonna. I I think it's so funny because like their beers are like, and so there's so many are like, you know, keep cold, drink fresh. Like it's like, these are the rules. Like keep it cold. Don't fuck this up. Drink it fresh. Whereas like I went to this brewery. I don't even remember the name of it in Baltimore. And the guy was like, ah, they're conditioned. He's like, put it in the fridge, out of the fridge. It doesn't matter. Bring it home. Drink it three months later. It's going to be fine. (laughs) I I really, I think I mentioned this last week or the week before. I think a lot of that is overblown. I mm-hmm. there certain beers, especially very, it's the really delicate ones that mm-hmm. matter. I mean, there there is real objective truth to the fact that something that has a lot of dry hopping will lose that aroma the longer it sits around. Sure. Fair enough. But if your beer is not relying upon that, I don't know how essential it really is, honestly. Mm. And I think the temperature thing. That shock really only affects very delicate, like, lager-type beers or super light, like, Pilsner-type of beers. I don't think that that really is going to affect... I mean, now, if you swing from 30 degrees to 90 degrees to 30 degrees to 90 sure. degrees, I'm sure that I'm sure that'll have a negative effect. But if you bought it and it was stored at 40 degrees, and then you put it in your garage in the winter and it was... 50 degrees and then yeah. <laughs> you put it in the fridge and it was 30 degrees i really don't think that's going to do it those yeah those fluctuations aren't going to matter i mean if you go back to what you were saying though about like the the, the dry hopping and the, and the aromas though like the scent on the nose like the nose is a big part of it right it's mm-hmm. a big part of any like alcohol drinking like there's, there's is, a lot but, of flavor in that itself it is but like that is not going that's going to be much more stable for like a belgian triple like which is not relying mm. on hoppiness you're not going to dry hop it you just won't sure that's a good point so yeah then i, I guess it's just circumstantial like interesting interesting we should run some experiments it sounds like a great experiment to be running <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's for science you're looking you're looking for more reasons to drink beer oh no <laughs> i'm going to have to drink all of these <laughs> For science. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, what do you say we get into some news and nuggets? Sure. I, w- nothing, nothing too crazy going on here. Um, we're going to start off big, though. We're going we're gonna to come out swinging. Uh, Mando Season 3. Mando Season 3. Say, would you say that we're starting bigger or smaller than Tubulous Chalk? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, for, for the listeners, what, what, was, the, what was the quote? Oh, uh, so yeah, sorry, my phone's on the other side of the room, but it was Greg Wyshynski, who is like the lead hockey writer at ESPN, who's a, a huge nerd. He's gone on the Star Wars Minute podcast before, I think, um, and he <laughs> posted a screenshot of, I'm pretty sure that was Paz Vizsla from yeah. the Mandalorian show, voiced by Jon Favreau, um, and... It was, uh, you know, he wears obviously the heavy armor with it, like a, like an right. old school like knight would have worn, like like the heavy heavy armor with the he has like the minigun type yeah. of, and it's uh, it was in the trailer as a still of him like coming out of the sky and about to land holding the thing, and uh, and he and Greg said something along the lines of, if George Lucas was still in charge of the sh- of of Star Wars, this character would have been named like Tubulous Chunk or something like that, and he would have become one of the most beloved characters in all of Star Wars. <laughs> And he's hundred percent right. He absolutely is, and the character would also only have max fifteen seconds of screen time. Yeah, <laughs> there are like entire wiki pages devoted to Max Rebo and his jizz winners. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
of course a Mandalorian who looks like that is going to become Absolutely. like an instant classic. I will say, uh, people might be hung up on that scene uh, from the trailer, but for me, it was that orange uh, helmet I, when there was the, when the whole bunch of them are, are coming out of whatever room or cave they're in. The orange Beskar helmet was so sick, <laughs> and I was like, I I will absolutely buy a replica of that and wear it. <laughs> Seeing this ragtag collection of Mandalorians who have previously been in hiding coming out, it was very reminiscent of all of the years of online like halo play where yeah. everyone is wearing a wildly different colored spartan armor especially sure. like with like the most recent one where they have like the different variations of the armor that yeah. like you could customize and all that and like you got this guy over there running around with like a classic mark four whatever but it's pink and that guy mm. has built like he's got it looks like a samurai for some reason <laughs> but it's like more traditional in color and then oh like, and here and here comes neon cat ears yeah <laughs> the, uh, my, my favorite is the uh with regards to halo is they each season they've been dropping you know new uh things that you can earn um like armor kits and whatnot and there's also stuff that you could buy but like in the last one i was just like scrolling through what you could unlock it's and I, it's too many at some point, though, it's just like just knives, knives on all of the pieces of armor. And if you put this whole set on, it's like knife on the chest, knife on the shoulder, knife on the leg, knife on the other. <laughs> and it just looks you just look like a ball of knives, which is totally cosmetic, too, which is insane. Yeah. Like, it's not like you can use those knives. Like no, if you could, no. that would be badass. I think I summed up the, the that version of the Halo experience best when I was playing with you guys a few months ago. And I got the drop on someone, killed him, grabbed his gun, said, oh, he's got a little tag hanging from it. I must have killed someone important. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The uh, That game's fun. I, I haven't played it in a minute, uh, but I'd like to get back into it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I haven't played since last time I played with you, and that's been probably like a month and a half, two months, something like that. Sure. Well, back to Mando Season 3. What did you get out of this trailer? Guns. <laughs> Lots of guns. Lots of guns. <laughs> No, I just like the honestly the biggest thing is like the I I think I said it to you. I think I might have said it to um to Mike. Hey, Mike. Um, this is the perfect type of trailer for this type of show. Yeah, you get a bunch of fist pump moments and nothing at all about what the story is. Like nothing yeah. beyond what we already knew, which is they indicated it in the his appearance in Book Boba Fett. He's going to try and restore his glory by restoring the glory of Mandalore. Right. That's what the show is going to be out this season, yeah. or at least that's the intent. That's what they're indicating that that's what they're going to attempt. Whether he succeeds or not remains to be seen. But and he basically says that in the trailer, and like that's it. It's just a bunch of people flying around in their fucking jetpacks, shooting, Grogu using the Force, people looking concerned. A little bit of narration. We get to see a moment of Coruscant. Yeah, it's a perfect type of trailer. I have no a idea. Sexy going on. Star Wars sizzle reel. Yeah. Perfect. That's all I need. Yep, I agree. And also, honestly, the best thing about it, obviously, is the and then it's like March. It's like deal with it. <laughs> it's like, wow, <laughs> love that. Uh, but it's yeah, you, like like you said, like a bunch of uh, Mandalorian armor, a bunch of different colors. Then we have uh, like you said, Grogu using the Force, but like with ears down, so you know it's serious. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and then just a really, really fancy Carl Weathers. He is very fancy. I mean, he's becoming a rather wealthy individual at this point, right? Yeah, that's I'm, a I'm lot of gold on that chain. I'm curious to see what that planet's all about. That, that'll that'll be a, cool. a couple of uh, uh, whatever Babu Frick is. Yeah, that was the one thing I was going to text you while I was watching it. 
on Monday night. I was gonna literally text and go, just Babu Frick. And I was like, you know, what? let him, let him, because yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know that Frick. it's Babu, but it's clearly the same species. Yeah, uh, I actually told it is ready. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I still love that. Okay, I, I've said it before. While I'm not like blown away by where they went with the obviously the 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 sequel trilogy, um, they should have let obviously it continue after the way that eight flawlessly landed it. Um, <laughs> if we didn't have the nine that we got, we wouldn't have gotten Baba Frick, and that would have been a crime. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 okay with it for that alone. Yeah. So let's just let's just bring him back. Also, we call that like that creepy creepy Jabba rat. Uh, whatever that thing is, was also there. Oh yeah, what was his name? He had another one of those. Oh, <laughs> it was that thing, <laughs> Salacious Crumb. That was his yeah, name. <laughs> Tubulous Chonk and Salacious, Salacious Crumb. Crumb. That's our band name. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone knows that the the best Star Wars name of all is Elon Slash Baganow. Uh. I'm still hung up on that. Was it Max Rero and the Jizz Whalers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's really not, there's not much else. Like it was excellent. It was fun. It got me excited again. Like I'm all for it. I'm pumped that I'll be seeing it shortly. I'm a little bit bummed that it won't be part of my like holiday routine. Like it was the last two times. Yeah. (laughs) Which was fine though. It's fine. It's just like, I started to like merge those things together. Right. Like experiencing Mandalorian around the holidays was, but, uh, I don't. It's fine. It's totally fine. I have a giant. I have a stuffed Grogu. It's great. We got Mandalorian. Oh, watch. Elio says Grogu now. It's fantastic. Oh, nice. Yeah, he points at his. He's got him on a plate, and he goes Grogu. I'm like, <laughs> you killing it. <laughs> it's good. We'll, we'll have work a, is done. We'll have some man to watch soon. Yeah, that is, it's going to be good. Uh, tell me about this Titanic mystery that was solved. <laughs> now, is this a mystery about the Titanic or a Titanic-sized mystery that was solved? Both. Oh, okay. This is on Rolling Stone from <clears throat> January 15th. See, James Cameron finally debunked the raft theory and clip from Titanic documentary. Huh. The, the director actually conducted, quote, scientific study <clears throat> with stunt people and hypothermia experts to prove Jack and Rose both couldn't survive. Amazing. I thought you would enjoy this. Um, Titanic director James Cameron wasn't kidding when he said he conducted a, quote, scientific study to debunk the theory that Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio could both have fit on a piece of floating debris at the end of the (laughs) 1997 film. In a new clip from the upcoming documentary Titanic 25 years later, the filmmaker is on hand as stunt people reenact the tragic scene, proving once and for all that DiCaprio's Jack and Winslet's Rose couldn't both survive the ship. For a quarter century, fans have debated the sequence, arguing that both characters could have floated atop the piece of debris above the icy waters. In the actual scene, Jack sacrifices himself to a hypothermic death in order to guarantee Rose's survival. An episode of Mythbusters also surmised that Jack's death was needless. Cameron refuted their results and promised to conduct his own test to validate the film's ending. Quote, we have done a scientific study to put this whole thing to rest and drive a stake through its heart once and for all, Cameron told Toronto Sun in December. We have d- since done a thorough forensic analysis with a, hy- with a hypothermia expert who reproduced the raft from the movie. We're going to do a little special on it that comes out in February. <coughs> oh, excuse me. That experiment features... <laughs> Sorry, I just burped pure hops. It stuck up on you there. <laughs> it did. 
um, <clears throat> that hot flavor and juiciness uh, burst out of the can. Uh, <laughs> I mean, out of the <laughs> that experiment features in Titanic 25 years later with James Cameron, premiering February 5th on National Geographic. In the clip, Cameron is poolside as the stunt people act out the scene in cold but not freezing waters culminating in the debris sequence. Quote, the faster your heart's beating, the faster that cooling blood from your arms and legs is coming into your core, taking your temperature down. So I was really curious to see what that did to Jack's situation, Cameron says. And it's pretty interesting. <clears throat> what we saw was he got up there and he immediately went into a really strong, shaking, shivering. Well, fans will have to wait until next month for the end result. It's assumed by the clip that the weight of Jack already reeling from hypothermia and Rose would be too much to keep the debris. <clears throat> Which Cameron clarified was a piece of wood paneling from the first class cabin and not a door as many suspect <laughs> from partially submerging. Oh my God. I just love this concept that it's been getting under his skin for years, like years. Yeah. He's been so furious about this. <laughs> so in this article, there was a clip from this. Do- it was a sneak peek clip from this documentary. It's a couple minutes long and they show they actually are submerging two stunt people in cold water and subjecting them to hypothermic conditions. Now they said mm. we're not going to put them at risk and put them in waters of temperature as cold as what it was in real life for that situation, but we'll compensate by putting them in there for longer. And they have people there to administer to them. They have them connected to stuff to make sure that they're like not at risk of going into cardiac arrest or anything like that. Sure. So um, you can watch part of the clip, but it only shows the beginning of it as they're submerging. They actually recreate the scene where like there's a guy that's like trying to hold himself up above the water and is drowning Rose and he mm. comes and Jack comes over like so like they literally do that to the female um stunt person like they're like dunking her under the water and James Cameron's like saying dunk up dunk <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, like I love the, the part- concept of him directing this experiment <laughs> yeah I mean I'm, I'm oversimplifying it but yeah that's basically what's happening and you know the two of them climb up on top of the thing and they're sitting there and you see the the guy starts shivering immediately um, and they, they surmise basically that the increased amount of muscle mass uh, for him versus for her actually worked against him in this situation mm. because the greater muscle mass requires more blood flow, which means that the colder blood from his extremities was dropping his core temperature at a faster rate than it was for her, which is why he starts shivering <laughs> first and all that. But they kind of, they, they leave it on a cliffhanger ending before showing the final conclusions and also you'll actually watch it when it comes out next month. I love, I love this concept because I feel like what really happened is during the making of this movie, he was like, look, Jack needs to die obviously. <laughs> and he's like, and I need to make it scientifically accurate. And like, he already did all this research <laughs> and everybody was yeah, like bashing it's like, it's it. And a- he was like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> you know what this is? This is someone who did a doctoral thesis. Mm-hmm. And then 25 years later, some other upstart PhD candidate tried to debunk it. And he showed up to yep. the thing and dropped his nuts on the table. was like, fuck <laughs> you. You're not disproving my thesis. Go to hell. You'll never be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, enough of James Cameron and his not doors. What's, uh, <laughs> what's going on with Ted Lasso? All right, this is on Variety. This is from uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, Ted Lasso Season 3 sets spring premiere and debuts first look at Ted and Nathan's rivalry. The third season of the hit Apple TV Plus comedy series Ted Lasso will premiere in spring of 2023. 
The season also has a new first look image seen above depicting Ted and Nathan facing each other after becoming rivals in the season two finale. The news came out of Apple's presentation during the Television Critics Association's winter 2023 press tour, which also featured Ted Lasso co-creator Bill Lawrence and writer star Brett Goldstein on a panel about their upcoming series, Shrinking. When asked about Ted Lasso during the panel, Lawrence was tight-lipped about season three, said, I've seen cuts and it's fucking amazing, as (laughs) Goldstein emphasized his pride in the season. Amazing. Though no confirmation... Oh, sorry. What's up? I was going to say, Ted Lasso is one of those things. I don't need anything, anything at all, but a date. Yeah. Uh, like, which I am 100% bought in. Have. I don't need to know what's going on. I just want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Though no official conf- confirmation has been issued, it has been long believed that season three will be the end of Ted Lasso, in large part due to comments by cast members. Sadek has told Entertainment Weekly in 2021 that he saw a three-season arc for the series, but would potentially be open to making more. While Goldstein said to the Sunday team Times that season three of... This is hardly written. That season three was being written as a curtain call. Okay. Uh, and then the rest of it's just housekeeping stuff. I have a feeling that they will, they're not going to officially say that it's the end, but they're not going to announce coming back. And then I feel like they're like leaving it open for a possible resurgence in like a few years down the road or something like that. It could be. I think that would be dependent probably upon what goes on. Everybody's this. doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I just like, sure. yeah, where and everyone's I, at at the end of the show. I will also say, like, I don't know, three seasons? It's good. Three seasons is a good place. I mean, one of the best television shows ever made was three seasons. And I feel like like it was so incredible because they stopped. Yeah. And of course, I'm talking about Newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, even that one, the final season felt kind of rushed. I don't know. Yeah, a little I bit. Loved the, but... I loved the first two seasons of that show. The third season God, was... so good. And perfect. But. <laughs> he doctored the tapes. He doctored the tapes. He doctored the motherfucking tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, God, I want to rewatch that. Wasn't um, wasn't Love Sick also three seasons? It was another flawless show. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> don't look the snake in the face. What was the, What was the line? <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. It's been a while. <laughs> I watched it like twice concurrently, basically. Um, mm. and I have that, but that was several years ago. I would like to go back yeah. and watch that show. I love that show so much. That There's was so excellent. Great lines in that show. Such a treat. A real, just a, just a blast. All right, that's, that's cool. I, uh, so that last one coming up, that's exciting for me. I, I'm glad, I'm glad we got you on board, got you a, a trial and you were able to watch all of it. <laughs> um, you, you'll probably have to fork up $5 and subscribe for <laughs> a month to, no, I've I've stayed on with it because I've I've been watching oh, okay. um, for all mankind and oh right right I forgot you were you can I watched Severance and uh, mm-hmm. something else I want to oh eventually I'd like to get to Foundation but I'd like to finish the books first sure sure sweet well I think that does it for the news I think we we've got actually I know you said or you said before the show started that you don't have a ton for consumption but I think there's there's some conversations to be had here so let's get into some consumption Al what do you consume well I'll start with something that'll be a pretty quick topic but I part of the reason why I didn't have a ton for consumption this week was because I consumed so much playoff football this weekend mm. uh it was on Saturday it was on Sunday it was on Monday night um the football was great. 
um, by and large. The Monday game kind of sucked, but even that had its moments. Um, but uh, no, the, I mean, I know you don't actually care, but we're talking about what we consumed, and I consumed football, and it was glorious. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Listen, I don't dislike, like, actively dislike these sports. No, I, I just, just don't, don't have don't care. the draw. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I appreciate that you enjoy them. And I want you to. Continue. No, that's fine. <laughs> I no, that's, I, that's just it's just me. It's just me indicating that that is what I consumed this week. And, uh, <laughs> it hit the spot. All right, I've got uh, three things before we get to our, our more important consumption topic. So first is Kim and I burned through the first season of Abbott Elementary. Mm. It is fantastic. It is so funny. It's got the. Um, it's got the style of like an office parks and rec, right? Where it's a, there's a, there's a crew that is there filming while the story is unfolding. Like it's a, like a document, like they're shooting the documentary, but you're watching the storyline similar to the well, other I think, shows. I think Mike Shore or Mike Shore's wife, one of them is involved with that show. Uh, so I was going to say it, it definitely has, it leans more parks and rec as far as the execution and which I'm all for. Cause I'm a parks and rec over office person. Uh, I like them both, but but I prefer Parks and Rec. Uh, the characters, though, that they've created for the show are so funny. Like they are, they're obviously caricatures, but they they just each one of them brings something extraordinary to the table in the the funniest way, and their chemistry is on point. A show like this is gonna have a bad pilot episode, and it didn't. Huh. So that was like it wasn't you know. It's not as polished or like as easy to get through as the rest of the season, but like you think Parks and Rec pilot, Office pilot, terrible, not good. Well, fr- frankly, the the first season of Parks doesn't really work for me super well. Um, Parks and Rec is-, is rough until until uh, Adam Scott and Rob Lowe join the cast and round everything out, which is like halfway through the second season. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing they got that far. But this is this is great. They all they all hit it off like immediately. It's funny, you can see like within the run of the first season, certain characters stay exactly as they were in the pilot because they were they nailed it, knocked it out of the park, and there's some that they adjust a few times throughout the first few episodes until they click and they just hit their their stride and like now that's who the character is and it's it's really entertaining. And they're short. It's it's like thirty minutes. It's a quick watch. It's like I think you would actually really enjoy it if you're looking for like a palate cleanser in between things of just like a, hey, I want to throw something on, a couple chuckles, and that's it. And like watch an episode at a time. It's really very entertaining on HBO. Yeah, I I just, I don't know anything about the show other mm-hmm. than that it like takes place at elementary school or whatever. But I know people rave about it, or at least for the last year or so I've been hearing so, that. So good. Well, we we watched it because yeah, we were watching award shows and it was winning all these awards, and we're like, well, what's the you know what's the deal? And we watched it and like, oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> I also <laughs> would have voted for that. <laughs> so I I highly highly recommend. A lot of fun. Uh, the next thing on my list cannot recommend, uh, but I love it, Boy. and that's the Flash. Oh no! I, it's just I'm I just finished the eighth season. I watched like six episodes in a row one night while Kim was working, which is just far too many episodes to watch because they're like an hour long. They mostly do the same thing in each episode, but for whatever reason, I've always, I've just loved the show since it started and I'm seeing it through to the end. This is the last season is starting in a month. 
So I had to catch up so that I could watch it live. But uh, it's just, it. I love the heart that the Flash show has. I love some of the characters, even if it is super repetitive. Like, you know how I said, like, three seasons? Great. <laughs> this is, like, eight seasons is probably six seasons too many for this show, but I'm still here for it. <laughs> and I'm going to watch it through to the end. Um, it did not go off the rails the way that Arrow went off the rails. Like, it's definitely gone places where you're like, what in the hell is happening? They've done timeline resets and time travel shenanigans and characters. Sorry, shenanigans? More than one shenanigan. And what? No. <laughs> no, I object. Strenuously, vehemently. Just making, sure that, just making sure you're still listening. I but. was listening. I was just, no, I realized I got it wrong. It wasn't Abbott Elementary. It was Rutherford Falls, mm. what I was thinking of. Mm. <laughs> wrong show. Gotcha. Um, but no, I heard you talking about like, The Flash and watching six episodes while Kim was at work. I was, I had it, all along. Yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's so painfully cheesy. Yet at the yeah, same it's, time, it's a like CW show, it will get me to tear up occasionally. Right, it's, fair enough. It's it's really it's I don't I, like I said I cannot recommend it to anybody. But I Dominic used to watch all those shows, so I would catch a bit of them here and there. I largely rolled my eyes at them. I was vaguely interested yeah. with a little bit of the Legends of Tomorrow. Was that what it was? Yeah that 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 had a little bit more of an ensemble thing going for it, which it I mean they yeah. all do by the end of their seasons like. Arrow starts off very dedicated to Oliver Queen, right? But then the, it expands and new characters are introduced and it becomes an ensemble show. The Flash, same thing. It becomes an ensemble. The thing is with, with Arrow, it's like every episode is Oliver brooding and it gets to be a lot. Whereas like every episode of The Flash is Barry just having just this mental crisis of carrying the world on his shoulders. And, and it's more well, heartbreaking like, than it is upsetting. Part of, I think, maybe what made it hard for me to take Arrow seriously was, isn't he just Dime Store Batman? Yes. Which is weird, because, like, he's also DC. Like, it'd be okay-ish if, like, Marvel did that. And even to an extent they do, like, Tony Stark is also kind of, like, not Dime Store Batman, but he's also Batman, basically. In in the Arrowverse, in the CW Arrowverse, I mean, his his dad doesn't die until he's, like, in his 20s. All I know is he's pissy about his parents being dead. He inherited a bunch of money, and he's a superhero. Yeah, well, his mom doesn't die for many years after that either. He's like, he's Batman, but didn't earn it. Fine. All I know is he's a pissy rich kid who <laughs> he is. is a street-level like crime fighter. So, like, he's Batman. He's dinosaur yeah. Batman. Yeah. I will say, though, Diggle is my favorite character in the show. And he was, he was I pretty much was watched from... it for Diggle. <laughs> he was the guy from Dexter, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I it's so funny because when I see him and things, that's that's what I know him from. So my immediate reaction is Diggle! And I just <laughs> well, it's him. It's him again. Um but I love it. I love it. Uh I forget what who what what was he? I remember him showing up in Dexter, but I don't remember who he was. He was um a confidential informant who Yes they who Deb uses who was yes. actually Qu- Quinn's informant, but Quinn was paying yep. him off the book, so he wasn't actually a real confidential informant. Right, right. And then right. him and Deb end up dating in the next season. Yeah. So is Diggle Diggle's got the tortured soul on lock. That's his <laughs> bread and butter. <laughs> but anyway, I've been I watched that. I caught up, so now I'm ready for the next season to start. And then oh, last night 
I watched four episodes of Rings of Power. Oh. Which is far too many episodes to watch in a single sitting. Um, probably. I I mean, I did watch... It's like watching like, one extended Lord of the Rings movie. Basically. I mean, like, when I watched it, I watched, like, the first two episodes across, like, two or three days, and then I didn't watch it for a couple weeks, and then I watched, like, two episodes on the plane to Denver, and then I watched, mm-hmm. like, the next episode in pieces through that week. Sure. And then, like, the final episode when I came back. So I didn't quite binge it the way that you did. Gotcha. I will say, it. I mean, it comes to the occasional screeching halt, but I really, really like it. Mm-hmm. I think it's That's the thing I, I haven't understood. Like, a show, and this is my feeling towards kind of criticism in general. I, I mean, even constructive criticism, but, like, a thing can have flaws and still be good. There aren't good mm-hmm. shows and bad shows. There are fantastic yeah. shows. There's really good shows. There's good shows. There's guilty pleasure shows. There's just bad shows. But even a fantastic show is not perfect. There'll be the occasional flaw. There'll be a, oh, I didn't like that character choice. Or mm, right. they kind of left that storyline hanging and dangling. But the show can still be fantastic. You can disagree mm-hmm. or dislike a thing, and it can still be really good. This one yeah. is, a, I think, a good to really good show that has a couple of misfires, but by mm-hmm. and large, I think the good and the fun outweigh the bad or the boring. But there yeah. is a couple of bad or boring things. There are. But there yeah. are just more better things in it. <laughs> I, I, I could not agree more. Like it's Anytime it has a hiccup, I'm like, you're excused. Like I, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I'm enjoying the rest of it. I'm like so, I'm so interested to see where it's going. For every shitty Isildur, there is a fantastic relationship between <laughs> Elrond and um, Durin. And for every <laughs> shitty, is, hang on, hang on, is is shitty Isildur like the char- Like you don't like the character or the things that he does? Is is one of is one of Isildur's yes. shitty actions a shitty Isildur? <laughs> No, he is <laughs> shitty and does shitty things, annoying things at least. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't remember that name of that annoying. Was it Theo? That annoying ass kid. Yeah. For every Theo, there's a Galadriel. So yeah. to me, you know, for every it's all about Doran. <laughs> yeah, well, specifically Dor- Doran and Elrond. Their whole relationship, their whole story is fantastic in this. I'll watch a whole I- series on that alone. Yes, it's yeah. it's really strong. So, um, I just got yeah. past the part where he uh, where Doran goes uh, back with uh, Elrond, and <laughs> he makes the comment about the the stone that makes up the table and how it's very precious to them, and he lied <laughs> 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 just because his wife so wanted a up. table. <laughs> I love that. Like that was so. It's like whoever wrote like continues writing that character. Like they they know exactly who that character is. <laughs> Listen, Dern's a big wife guy. Okay. I don't know if you heard that. Did you just hear music? No. All right. I I clicked my my headphone and it just started at like moving it and it started playing some very aggressive music and I don't know what it came from and I clicked it again and it stopped. So you must have had something in the background that you had been listening to. I guess. I guess. Uh, who knows? Anyway, that was alarming. Yeah. I'm back now. I mean, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Do you have any other consumption before we get into the a bigger topic? Oh yeah, I mean, I had a couple of well, so okay. So the the one question I had was, are we going to be doing the Last of Us as part of consumption, or are we going to do the last word on the Last of Us? Oh, <laughs> let's do that specifically because I want to get into episode spoilers. Yeah, and I don't want I... people to have to skip this portion of it if they are not looking for that. Yeah. So also this okay. this morning when I was kind of mentally doing a rundown for this week's episode, I was like, Ooh, we're probably going to do this like this. And I usually end up coming up with the stupid names. We name yeah. our segments on these things. Like the last word of us, <laughs> the, the Boba's feature fit or, well, you did Manda watch. Um, I did yeah. Boba's feature fit. Um, Manda watch. <laughs> There was another one, wasn't there? What else did we do? Get out of here, you panda bitch. <laughs> what other show? Did, wasn't there another show we did? Like uh, we definitely did. Those are the only two I can think of off the top of my head right now. Yeah. But, uh. So yeah, I, I was thinking about this morning. I was like, what do we do? I said, The Last of Us. I feel like, uh, oh yeah, there we go. Last word with The Last of Us. Um, I love it. That's, per- that's perfect, because so, I'll, be, I'll be watching this one religiously as it drops. So, Well, I, now that... The Monday Night Football stuff should be done. It should be easy for me to watch it either Monday or Tuesday. I watched it Tuesday this week. Perfect. So, um, yeah, so we'll we'll save that till after. So my only other consumption note is um, the only other thing I watched. So I watched The Menu on Friday with Gianna, who uh, I didn't want to say anything because I knew it was up in the air um, whether she'd be able to join us for the show. Um, she did want mm. to, but um, she wasn't feeling well this evening. So, um but after that, um, we watched it on the earlier side, and it's not a very long movie. So I cruised through the last of the most recent season of Archer. Finally, finally finished it, and um, it was good. It's fun. The show is still fun. It's not quite what it was in its heyday, but it's still a good watch. The the last season of what I I it cut out at the most important part of what you were saying. Oh, of of Archer, season thirteen of Archer. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It's a good watch. I they, thought maybe that if I kept listening, I'd be able to figure it out. But then you you were like done. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, usually when I like finish a thought like that, you kind of either have a question or a thought, and so sure. I was I was yeah. ceding the floor no, to I, you, and your question or thought was, I, I don't know what I you're talking it. about. <laughs> I just I, I would like to highlight one more thing. I've highlighted this before, and I will highlight it again. Our qual our audio quality on the actual produced podcast that we put out is superior to what we are experiencing here because we our vocals and stuff recorded locally at a high quality and then they're stitched together. And over the over the call, it's just it's just nonsense. And there are so many podcasts that I listen to where clearly the audio is what they captured over the call and it's not good. <laughs> yeah. We used yeah, to that's do true. But like yeah. It costs twenty dollars a month to not do that, so fork it up. Okay. You know what I mean? Like just, just do it. Just do it, people. Which is, it's concerning when like professional podcasts that like that's what I'm saying pay, that get paid, which we don't. Yeah. Um, that get paid don't fork up twenty dollars a month I, or whatever it is that you just said 20, exactly. 20 a month, whatever it is. Yeah, twenty twenty a month. It's it's. It's so simple. The interface is great. It's super easy to use. Most of the time, the problem is me and something disconnecting <laughs> on my side. So it's great. Well, the last the uh, last two weeks, it is specifically directly your fault because you've unplugged your own microphone like six times. But like, 
I'm getting a, I'm getting a little agitated with my Blue Yeti over here. I mean, it served me well. It did start falling apart. Like, pieces of it have fallen off. The logo's gone. I don't know where it is. <laughs> what are you doing to the microphone? That, but it's, nothing. You it's see a it. Delicate, it. It's a delicate thing. I try to touch it as little as possible. And yet I you, still feel it to be fairly sturdy. So I touch mine popping far less off the headpiece on it. Nothing. I'm doing nothing because mine is on a boom stand on a shock mount hanging on my desk. It literally touches nothing. When I move it, I don't even touch it. I touch the arm. And then one day I just heard ding, 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 ding. And I was like, what the hell was that? And it was the metal logo just moving across my desk. <laughs> I, I don't understand. You have literally like the perfect setup, like yes. professional setup. Mine is yeah. currently sitting on yeah. a rickety coffee table, like a yeah. foldable, collapsible one that like is as old as I am. And I move this microphone all the time into the other room so that it's out of the way. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm just going to assume that the resonance of my voice is what it vibrated the glue that held the logo on and it just came off. That's all it was. It's because it you've rearranged been, your office 14 times from. That's true. It's probably just moving the desk around. Granted, it's, it's messed you... to the desk, but I do move the desk a lot. It's because every three months you pivot your entire desk 90 degrees to the right. And then three months later, you pivot it 90 degrees back to the left in the exact same configuration. I, I don't understand. You are doing the Austin Powers of, like, feng shui adjustments. You just keep moving it back and forth to the same spot. If you tried a third thing, I'd be like, okay, at least you tried a third thing. You just keep doing the same thing back and forth. I don't know why. (laughs) Well, listen, I spend the majority of my daily time in a room the size of a jail cell. I need to move it around occasionally. Sure, I just, like, try something new is my point. The thing is, there's not much I can do with the size of my desk. There's only three walls that it can go on. I know. I'm, I'm advocating on behalf of the third wall. <laughs> oh, the one behind me? Yeah. I put it there for five minutes. And I was like, no. <laughs> I, I can't. There, was some, there, was something, there was something very Sicilian about the door being to my back that I couldn't get over. Wow. <laughs> and I just moved it back over here. <laughs> Uh, it's Dune. You, you took your, your lead from Dune. Never sit with your back to the Keeping door. it over there was inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> not, not to evoke a second Sicilian thing, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, um, man. Anyway, anyway uh, Season 13 we, of Archer was... Okay, uh, season, season 13 of Archer. It was, it was good. good. They did, considering the last season they had to shoehorn in how they were writing out Mallory because Jessica Walter died. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent most of this season trying to find a way forward without her. And mm-hmm. the character they introduced like halfway through the season prior um, was really good. He's a total douchebag. Him and Archer have a great like butting of heads relationship and just constantly, you know, and it's voiced by uh, Kayvon Novak, who's Nandor in, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because Archer, for whatever reason, has always had great synergy uh, amongst other FX properties. Every season, they have five or six guest stars who are from other shows on FX, which I think is really cool. Amazing. Um, But he's been by far the longest running of all of those characters, because like I said, he's been on like for like a season and a half. So the way this season ended was to really show what the actual, like that relationship wasn't a good fit. So this 
seems to have an actual way forward. They're going to chart for what like the future of the show might hold as to who's going to okay. be agency and all that. So um, that's cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Like I said, definitely not what it was at its highest point, but there was some. It still has its moments and like more consistently than what Late Stage Family Guy does. Like the, the overall quality of the season the last couple of years has been, I, I think, much higher than a lot of the last several years of Family Guy has been on a episode to episode basis. But they've also made adjustments to account for that. It, the seasons are eight episodes long now, and that's yeah. fine. Like just you know, you can do more with less. Yeah. Uh, hey, I was just—I was literally just singing the praises of three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Pop up. Uh, any other consumption? Nope, that's it. Well, I think I, we may. This may be a, like within record time. It's time for our flick of the week. The Menu, released in 2022, rated R, with an hour and 47-minute runtime. Your IMDb synopsis. A young couple travels to a remote island to eat and to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. I mean, what a, a very perfect synopsis. You can't say anything more without messing with the story. So, good on you. It, it might not necessarily get people in seats. <laughs> so, well, I, I don't want to say anymore. To, but yeah, you're right. Uh, an accurate, but super vague yeah. to the point of its own detriment. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fair. Oh, well, let's, let's hear your uh, your hot take. Yeah, so that was part of it. So, um, <clears throat> and pardon me. You just, you just say the same thing again. No. <laughs> and, and <laughs> Part pardon the uh, terrible review speak, but also I regret nothing. Um, terrifyingly funny, deliciously dark, and poorly marketed. Don't watch this movie. Experience it. <laughs> Eight point five out of ten. Wow. Okay. All right. Right on. Uh, a delicately balanced satirical comedy and psychological thriller. The menu's insane premise is perfectly executed by Oscar-worthy performances all around. Eight out of ten. Yeah, so I think I, eight point five actually sounds right. I just you know me. I don't do the points. I don't do the half points. I'm a yeah. whole point kind of guy. Well, I liked it so much that I was like, "Do I like this too much?" Like you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I, I am I, I like can... being like way too like childish about something? No, you know this is a damn good movie. It's I, so good. It was marketed terribly. I mean, like, the 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 main trailer I saw had an element of intrigue to it. And I think they were trying to go for, we want this to surprise you in a good way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think in their hesitance to spoil what this movie was actually about, they got too vague even. And I understand, but like, I think it's to their detriment and I don't know what it's box office performance was. I have no idea what the critical response was. I saw a bunch of promo for it for like a two or three week stretch before it came out. And I've heard we have a seven point three on IMDb. All right, so it's not not terrible. But yeah, I I uh, I was I didn't know what what to expect. I just kind of assumed cannibalism, just based on the fact. Absolutely, that, I right? I one hundred percent was waiting until it's funny. So me and Gianna were watching this. Um, I got home uh, on like the later side from work Friday, and I was walking in. My parents were walking out. They're like, "Oh, we're going out to dinner." I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, and my sister was like, oh, I'm gonna like order pizza. Like, what do you want? I was like, oh, you, like, you should let me know. I would have picked it up on the way home. 
was like, so I was like, do you want to watch this movie with me? I said, me and Anthony are doing it. I think it's supposed to be kind of a horror, but maybe also funny too, based on the vibe I got from the trailer. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right. She's like, I'm not really big on horror, but I'll give it a try. I was like, I'm kind of on the same boat. Yeah. And we sat down to watch it and we're both like loving it from like 15, 20 minutes yeah. in. And my parents got home. We were probably had like 30 minutes left. And so like things were fully off the rails at that point. <laughs> and my mom's like, like, what is this? She's like, are they, is there like, are they like, get it? Like as they're preparing one of the courses, like, she's like, are they going to eat people? Like honestly going in this movie, like I was like a hundred percent certain that was going to be a part of this. Yeah. Like, but they've gotten to the point of the movie now where, if they haven't eaten someone yet, I don't think they're going to. <laughs> right, right, yeah, absolutely. It, it's it definitely it. I, I really. There's no way to pitch this movie. I, I like other than like all I could say is like if you like I've watched it. I think this is one of the greatest things that I've seen in a while. Yeah, I really Go really watch like it. this. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was excellent, and I cannot the like I can't understand the the performances were out of control. They were fantastic. Like, I mean, you always expect a certain level of quality from Ray Fiennes, right? Yes. Like, and you know, you, you, anything less would actually be what's shocking. Like uh, anything less than like a perfect performance. And I don't know. He, I believe that he's elevating everybody in the room. Yeah. I, and you they, know what? He, he doesn't really go big at all in this. Like, it, like, and no. he's done that in the past and usually it's for the right reasons. Every once in a while, I, you know, if you hear some of the way he talked about some movies before and after when he's like doing press from or whatever or interviews, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it feels like he's like, oh, why am I doing this? Even like he, I remember him talking about after the fact when he was first cast for Harry Potter to play Voldemort, he was like, oh, come on. And like, like, you know, showed up first day of set, whatever, they're, they're putting the prosthetic on him. He's like, this is ridiculous. And to me, I'm like, well, why would you take the job then? But whatever. Sure. But he basically said after doing the first two movies, he's like, okay, I get it now. Because I yeah. really had my hesitation even like through the process. He goes like, I totally get it now. And that's a character that is supposed to be, be played big. He's mm-hmm. done that with some other roles. For the most part, he avoids the campiness, but he dips his toe in the water every once in a while. But he is a professional. For, he, like, he is the quintessential British actor who is going to give you 100% of effort even if the work doesn't deserve it. And thankfully yeah. most of his roles, I feel like it deserves it. So uh, yeah, for, for sure. His, the, he, he's got something with his gaze that like, I feel like it, it carries so much weight in his performances. Like the way, like, cause he'll, he'll stare just, I mean, and you, you're never supposed to look at the camera, right? But he'll stare just off of it, but close enough that it really feels like he's looking at you. Like when he's delivering a line and it, it's just, it's very unsettling. <laughs> and especially in this movie and like you his intensity throughout this movie like and like paired with like when it looks like he's staring directly at you and saying something to you makes it like makes you crawl out of your skin but in in the best way like a good a good thriller like this you the whole time you like I gotta know what's going on. Like, I gotta know where this is going. I'm so excited. Like, like that's and that's how I felt the entire movie. Like, where are you taking this? Yeah. And like, I don't like, you don't really know. Like, I, I mean, if you figured it out, good on you. But like, to the degree and like to the lengths that it goes to, it, it is so outlandish. Well, this type of movie had the best sort of puzzle box situation. Like, 
like I'm talking about like generally speaking, yeah. like in my opinion, where mm-hmm. I had preconceived notions based on the trailer and just kind of the aura around it. Yeah. Some of those were pretty correct. Some of them not. I didn't know exactly. I assumed it was going to be one of those things where it became kind of a most dangerous game mm-hmm. slash Hannibal situation. Yeah. I was convinced for like the first third of the movie. I was like, which one of these patrons are we eating as the last course? Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, I also wondered if it was even going to be kind of like a reverse waiting for Godot situation where mm. a character was just going to keep disappearing, but there wasn't going to be a good reason for why they weren't there as each next course was being made until like we got down to there's only a couple of people there <laughs> and finally someone was going to figure out what was going on. I That was my assumption. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm glad it wasn't that. Sure. Although there would there probably would have been an interesting way to do that, but um But this is so unique. Yeah. So once I once the movie starts to unfold, there were sequences where it's like, ooh, I have no idea what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And then once they showed that and the reveal ended up being usually, I thought, pretty like solid payoff. Yeah. A lot of times it would be followed by something else, and I would usually be able to guess that thing. But so right. I thought that was really cool where it's like, ooh, I'm not sure. Is it gonna be this? Is it gonna be that? I got mm-hmm. it right sometimes. I didn't get it right other times. But then letting once that mystery unfurled to be able to to do the next thing and guess, oh, well, okay, so if that happened, I'm pretty sure this is what's going to happen next. To yeah. me, having like multiple stops along that path, I thought was really a cool way well, to do this. It's funny that you explained that way because like the way that you experienced the movie, I feel like in the way that you're describing it is exactly how like Nicholas Holt's character is experiencing the food. <laughs> throughout the movie okay. like not knowing where to go and then like breaking it down and figuring it out and like but then there's always some extra surprise around the corner and while we're experiencing the movie that way uh anya teller joy's character being the audience proxy as well as like one of the like the the, the person that you're rooting for like that like it the, it pairs so well together to have them at the table together mm-hmm. it's i feel like the movie is executed flawlessly <laughs> also like layers of like, you know, okay, well, what is the whole big mystery that's going on? What is the mystery of this couple? What is the mystery of all of their relationships to each other? Because yes. even their their coupling is a layered mystery, right? It's, yep. okay, how did they get invited? They're, they're, one of these things is not like the other. And this couple is it, right? You have mm-hmm. a rich couple. You have a, a reviewer and, his, and her agent. You have a famous actor. You have finance bros like there's okay you can understand how each of them would get invited how did they make it on yeah right so and then on top of that you have right at the beginning when they come in there's a snafu with she's not the person who is supposed to be on this reservation yep so how did that go down how did this couple combined with also combined with her catching the eyes of the rich couple and there clearly being tension there yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. There's your onion, right? <laughs> like even more layers, like on top of the mystery. And we're talking two minutes into the movie. Yeah, like it's we, we've all, we're already like, what's like, what's going on? And then you get to the island, and it's like they have this greeting, and it's like a very big to do. And what's funny to me though is like, have you have you been to one of these restaurants? And I don't obviously don't mean what they did in the movie. I just mean like a fancy ass restaurant like this, where like the menu is set. Where I have to take a boat to it now. <laughs> okay, there is a there is a restaurant nearby that we have gone to maybe three or four times. It is very expensive, but it is it is absolutely worth it. 
and it is it is over the top. And there's definitely a vibe that you get from the chef and the people working there. Like it definitely feels a little culty, but it's really good food. <laughs> like it's it's excellent and unsettling. But like so when they get there and they're checking in and there is this whole snafu with the guest thing, like that just feels like so real and realistic to me. <laughs> like as what could happen at a place like this? Or just like, oh my god, this is gonna be like how like how pretentious is this place gonna be? I'm so excited. Obviously it's gonna be ridiculous. And then like finding out like how much per head it was and all that stuff. And then and then like meeting the chef. It's all it's all so many of the pieces are so accurate to a thing that exists that makes like the satire part of it so perfect that it like well, it just takes it it ele- it's a caricature of something that is already a caricature. <laughs> all, all of it is very accurate to all of those types of things. I've never mm-hmm. quite been to any place like that, but I've been to, to nice places. I've yeah. heard a lot of stories from my dad being that he goes mm-hmm. to Japan and when they take customers out to dinner there, you get experiences somewhat like this, not yeah. like this, obviously, but like what, like what they're lampooning in this. How about yes. that? The real life thing that they're lampooning in this. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories from my friend, Josh, who is a chef and has been to, or has worked with people who have worked at places like this. And so you hear the stories through that perspective as well, which is more kind of the other side of the story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great because all of this does feel totally on note until you get tortillas that are printed with like financial records or what or are mistress. these? <laughs> these are tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my favorite line of the whole movie. <laughs> Especially because she doubles down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was great oh, at being just such a, like, snooty and power mad instigator. Yeah. <laughs> Gatekeeper so, like, get- and instigator at the same time. Yes. It's, oh my god, so good. You get, so you get you get all these people. You're introduced to the cast of characters who are going to be dining at the restaurant. You're introduced to... Uh, the person who is going to run interference with the customers, which is basically what this character is that we're talking about with the tortillas. And um, also, which is also really funny, is she's just like the person that does that at the restaurant that I've been to, which is what's really funny to me. That's yeah. why I thought it was hilarious. Anyway, then they run well, she's they bad cop, through the right? island. Like, like the chef is supposed to be good cop and she's supposed yep. to be bad cop, right? Yeah, exactly. And they, they go through the whole island. They explain like the food is coming from there. They... Uh, they see that they actually have like a barracks and they all live there. And you're like, this is terrifying. This is getting a little bit weird. And then of course they go in and it all, it all starts, right? The meal starts, the chef comes out. He's, he's um, talking it's about. It's the bouche uh, <laughs> When he, when he comes out and he goes through his whole, refines comes out and goes through his whole speech about not eating experience right experiencing it and then later on i'm skipping ahead a little bit goes to Mar- margo's character is like why haven't you eaten you told, you told me told not, me not to, to. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's great because it's the first time he actually breaks for a minute where he's like you he's know like, what i meant he's like you goddamn bitch like you know what <laughs> i mean <laughs> don't be difficult even though everything about what i've set up is intended to be difficult yeah for everyone including myself <laughs> yeah and it, I, I think it's so it's funny though, because you so you're you. I like the way that they really introduce each of the characters, and you get to 
have some note like you you get to establish how you feel about them before it starts to get crazy right and it's like it's very easy to hate all of them except her maybe margot like and even her you could dislike her because she's so obstinate like she yes, hasn't yes, done yes, yes, yes. she hasn't done or displayed any of the behaviors like the rest of them which already is going to have a connotation for the average person watching this you're meant to hate all of these people because they're all rich they're yeah. all not just rich, but they're behaving in the obnoxious ways that you expect rich people who are, feel entitled, who are in a place like this, are entitled, are right. privileged. Every one of them does that. Plus, every one of them is in a couple or three of them in the case of the finance bros. Like, and all of them are shitty to the people they're there with, who ostensibly yes. they're supposed to like. Right. That's that, Okay, so like going through each set of them, right? You have You have Lillian, who is the food critic, who is just like, thinks she's above all things food and knows everything, right? And then she's so clearly an asshole. And yes. then you have Ted, whose head is so clearly up her ass. Yes. Which is, <laughs> which is like you, and they're so easy to hate, like instantaneously, right? So like that one, you're like, I don't even, I don't need any more. You're horrible. Move on. And then <laughs> you get John Linguizamo's character. Uh, well, I don't remember what his name was. Um, let me pull it up here. Movie star. Movie star. Oh my god. That's <laughs> I didn't realize that, I didn't realize they never said his name. That's hysterical. Because he's always like they know who I am, like I hope that it's no paparazzi, like things like that's that's pretty funny. But um you get he's definitely like this self centered, like thinks high of himself movie star. But all in all, his like um his ego is really his biggest problem. Mm-hmm. And it's not actually that bad compared to a lot of everything else that's going on. Well, I mean to be perfectly honest, the, this movie is a takedown of ego in general. Mm. It's of the chef's ego, of all of these rich people's ego, of all the chef's egos. It's, sure. it's even the fan who thinks he's entitled to the chef's time, who, which when, right. when we find out Nicholas Holt's character is. is he He's just a super fan who thinks yeah. he's entitled to something more because of how ingrained and gatekeepery and nerdy he is about this specific subject. He is... The obnoxious super fan online. This could have been a Ryan Johnson movie because yeah, it, it, it's it's you and me feeling like we could we could make a movie because we're so into it. No, it's not even that. It's <laughs> uh, it's I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is my own ego coming. It's so some of the people we talk about who are in fandoms, like the people that we don't like, who we think have bad faith opinions about Star Wars or mm. stuff like. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair. People who, who get mad when a thing that they love, the next thing comes out and it's not what they wanted it to be. So now they're mad at it because like it's or who thinks that the other person who is the new adopter to the thing shouldn't <laughs> be allowed to be an adopter to the thing because they've been in it from the beginning. Right. Because yeah. like, think about the way he treats her the whole movie. You're smoking. You don't even get a taste. And like that becomes a recurring bit throughout of it. He's mansplaining just like food to her. The whole way, like it's different than like when, like when, when, like he when they're first served the little thing on the boat, right? She didn't know what it was, yeah. and he explained. Like it's different when someone asks you a question. Hey, I don't know, and then you use your like when you perpetually offer it when it's not asked for. Yeah. That is such an obnoxious behavior, and like that's what that character is. Yeah, for, for sure. When when uh, when Margot is like, I I prefer just the oyster, and he's like, no. Like your your preference is wrong. Yes, <laughs> let me explain to you why. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it's terrible. You know, I, I didn't think of it until now because I didn't actually like dissect it. But uh, can are they do, do they end up representing like all seven deadly sins in some way, shape, or form throughout? I haven't. I didn't. Oh, that's a good question. I, because we have we definitely have adultery, right? We have adultery. We have stealing. Um, who was stealing? The 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 finance bros. They were oh yeah, money. yeah, that's true. What 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 are the others? Um, well, technically, they're all, I guess, guilty of gluttony. Yeah, but who represents it? Is that? I don't know if it's necessarily directly one to one the way that you're asking. Yeah, I'd just be curious if there if there's something to that in the. Uh, I mean, I guess in the groups because they're all like I said, they're also all guilty of like hubris or ego or whatever. Like, right. Greed. Yeah. I I mean, I guess I guess to a degree, they're all guilty of all of them. them Most of them are greed or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point is all of the people who were actually invited are basically guilty of all of these things. Right. And and in perfect fashion with with figuring it out, like Margo is kind of on the fence of being guilty of it or not. Well, we don't know until we get down the line and we find out that she's really not like, and that's yeah. the whole core debate that, that Ray finds his character lays out when the first time they really talk about which, which are you, are you a giver or are you a taker? Are you one of them? or Are you one of us? Mm-hmm. You don't know what that means exactly. When the right. first half of the conversation, we, they have it about three times throughout the course of the movie. And the first time he I introduces d- it, you don't really know exactly what he means. No, but I do, I do like that. It comes down to like, are, are you a service worker or somebody who's experiencing the service? is like the the very silly binary version of that of the question that he's asking but it'd be uh so that was actually one of the things that made me like when i was trying to guess like what the hell was going on before i finally just surrendered and let the movie take place was like okay one are we going to be eating people at some point during this thing no yeah okay. that was definitely taking up too much of my bandwidth i'm like oh then, at what point is this gonna get gross <laughs> yeah yeah and then but then when when she runs off to the bathroom and then he comes into the bathroom i'm like oh i'm uncomfortable yeah and then, <laughs> but then he he's like trying to figure out like who she is and stuff about her i'm like did he like did they do some sort of like back investigation on all of these people and they Which, used, yes like they made this comment about the meat, like if it goes one day past what they were talking about, like it would turn rancid and they would all like, you know, you'd be bleeding out your eyes, basically. But like, is it that you and he was very upset that she wasn't eating. But like, I was getting concerned. I was like, wait, if you don't eat the whole meal, do you die? Because it's very balanced in a certain way where like, <laughs> if you're not experiencing all of it, it's over. <laughs> and I'm like, if, where you, don't, if you don't eat exactly three ounces of the beef they provided and also one ounce of the chicken they provided and also yes. one ounce of the wine that went along with it or whatever, the chemical balance will be out of whack and you will immediately He'll just cease to exist. (laughs) Well, it's great because even that, like, again, to go back to the concept of layers, he keeps asking, who are you? And you find out when they put out the tortillas with the Mm -hmm. research that they did psychotic research on these people, which, like, but that's not actually the question he's asking. Yes. Right? Which Mm -hmm. is great to not know that then and think that, oh, it's because they have all this information, so they don't have any information on her. But then later on, you realize, no, 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 no. There's a much deeper core question that's at hand here. Not who are you. It's who are you as a person? Right. Oh, man. I, it's it's so good. I loved 
so like in in similar to going to one of these rest like it's ridiculous restaurants of them explaining what the dish is and what inspired the dish and why it represents that thing. They do that perfectly, but each dish it gets more and more uncomfortable until it gets psychotic by the end, right? The mess. And what's that? The mess. The mess. Oh my god, the mess. Uh, but as it's as it's going up, though, I think. As crazy as as it is, the last one, obviously, if you read the card of what the meal is, we'll get to that. It, that was a wonderful description. All but of the one It's great because it starts out super sincere, and it just keeps getting slightly more ridiculous <laughs> as it goes, yeah. until it gets like totally to the absurd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was but, the unaccompanied accompaniments that got me, though. That was... Oh, yeah, when, when they <laughs> don't give them the bread. This is the bread that you would have had that you're not having, that you're supposed yeah. to pretend as if you were having while you're eating the unaccompanied accompaniments. My, Can we my get favorite, some bread? No. no. <laughs> my, my favorite card, though, really, truly, is um, Tyler's meal. When they do the meal card. Oh, my God, Tyler's yes. Meal. Undercooked lamb. <laughs> Unedible shallot butter sauce. Like what? Uh, yeah. Unedible <laughs> butter butter cherry sauce. <laughs> um, he asks him if he's going to use that machine at some point, right? Which one the, to make the milk foam? <laughs> oh, that whole scene. I mean, obviously, it's meant to be uncomfortable. You you are meant to be uncomfortable basically the entire movie, whether it be yes interactions that you can't quite make out why they're not working whether it be Mm -hmm. the just utterly asinine levels of pretension with the presentation at the beginning when before we know things are going to be psychotic some of the psychotic things that happen like a man's ring finger being removed because he was trying to leave early or when you find out that someone's course for the meal is they're going to kill themselves or anything else that happens in this movie but alongside of it as things get darker and more absurd it's like a beer like we talked earlier about like this beer we did for the show today where it's an increased malt bill to jack up the sweetness and so to balance it out they have to add more hop as well the darker and more absurd that this movie got the funnier it also got they had it wasn't always in the same moment but they balanced it out when he recruits Tyler to come work for it's oh the God. thing is darkest deepest dream that he has done nothing to it's the person who has all these dreams of what they do for winning the lottery and then never buys a ticket and is mm-hmm. just given a ticket not a winning yeah. ticket just given a ticket and it's like oh okay this is real now yeah come work for us come come be a chef i believe in you he's so deeply unqualified and yeah rather than actually trying he just does whatever bullshit comes to his mind of like things he like likes or has heard about in a recipe at some point. Mm-hmm. And that I, I, as much as like, we'd already seen a man's finger removed and seen some of the harsh treatment of the guests. But at that point we hadn't really fully seen what was going to happen in this situation yet. I don't yeah. remember if it had been announced to the whole group yet at this point that you're all going to die. I don't, I just don't remember. No, I don't think it had been. I don't, I think oh, he told no, her. It, he told her. I couldn't remember. No, the it, get. it it had been because that scene ends with him dying. No, no but that yeah. happens off screen. We don't find out he's dead. For no, no, I, I know it does. But there is a. But uh, he he's like I I texted you and what did I tell you? And he said, "Oh we're all yeah, die right. tonight." <laughs> so. That's true. So 
he already did know. But either way, like the just the absolute like evisceration he does as he's going along, where it's like mm-hmm. it seems like he's coaching him on. It takes about one second for the irony to just drip from his words. And then he's just like berating him like Gordon Ramsay, but not screaming at him. He's doing the much worse yeah. thing of doing it cold and monotone and calculated. And then he starts t- putting the mockery just voice on Just matter him. of fact. Goes, what do you yeah. need? Anything you want. Anything you could possibly want. We have it. Yeah. And it takes mm-hmm. him like five seconds to come up with an ingredient. He starts giving him, oh, yes, look at this this cutting technique. Oh, look at that. It's something we've never considered before. Everyone gather around. Take notes. Yeah. Take notes. Look <laughs> take at the, the marvelous dicing technique that Tyler is showing us. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's quite a way to, to do a sauce. And he's just yeah. ripping him apart and he bites it. This is awful. Just awful. <laughs> you know what I what I love about it though, like like everything else, like there's there's layers to all of that too, in that like the things that he asked for and he was using to make a dish could have made an incredible dish. Yeah. But he's not a cook. Exactly. He's not a chef. Right? And like that, I think that is that in itself well, it's, is just so funny. He finds an individual way for basically all of them to put them into their place at some point or other. Yes, and this is his opportunity here. Oh, you're a super fan. You love us so much. You think you have all of like the academic knowledge of how to do all this. You don't know how to do fucking anything. Yeah, I'm going to show you. And I would honestly, this is me. I would pay not a lot of money, but I would I would pay a few dollars to find out what he whispers to him because we have. Oh, no I know idea. what he says to him is so cutting and devastating that he hangs himself. Yeah. When he, like, four seconds earlier was in, like, a euphoric state of glory. You know what? I, if I were to venture a guess, I would think that he told him, if this was something I had made, I would hang myself. I feel like it was something along those lines. Probably. Because he also, he adores... Uh, 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 Tyler adores the chef so much that like he would he would probably just go do that because he said something. Yeah. Oh my god. I loved when he goes when they're drinking the tea and Tyler goes is that is that bergamot? <laughs> the chef just goes yes. Just, just, just like slow inhale. Yes. Like <laughs> just <laughs> which you know he wants he wants the scene to come sooner. <laughs> it, it's which is funny because, it, it, in all honesty, like you would have thought, even if it was like put on, that he would have been impressed. Like, oh, someone recognized this thing, yeah, right. Like, especially when you consider, look at the punishment he puts on, um, what's his name, uh, Richard. When Richard's the one who wants to leave, and he's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, they they make an issue of it, and we're not going to leave. He goes, okay, you can leave with your hand if you can name a single dish. He goes. People would literally die to come here one time. You've been here how many times? Oh, I don't know. Six or seven? Eleven. You've been here eleven times. Yeah. <laughs> Name any dish that I've prepared for you in the last five times you've been here. And he just totally blanks. And even I was like, Jesus, dude. I remember the name of the dishes. He announces them and tells yeah. a story yeah. every time he serves a dish. You can't like even name like what the dish was. Even if you didn't remember it was called like, you know springtime in the Alps or some shit like that. Like, like, oh, you made a wonderful lamb dish that had shallots and butter and sherry. You know, like, yeah. it couldn't even do that. It's like, what the fuck, dude? He put everyone, you know, the actor about, you know, oh, you, you just put out this shit. Like, you, uh, you I get one day off. <laughs> I go to see the movie. And listen, there are movies that aren't good. 
or you're just mm-hmm. not going to like them. And that's fine. That's a matter of opinion. You might like, you might eat one of my dishes and it not be for you, but at least you know that I poured my heart and soul into making the dish. <laughs> and what you did on the screen was offensive to me. I wasted <laughs> the only day I had off, which to be fair is a ridiculous reason to kill someone. Well, but, I, I did like that though, because I feel like it also shows like that how there's a level of, obviously this character, the chef, Slowick, Slowick, yeah. is obviously he's unhinged, right? But it's like, but also calculating at the same time, right? He's very smart. He, like he he planned this whole thing out. He's got he is a cult leader because he has this whole this whole group bought in on what they're doing. But like, it goes the like uh, the the couple like it, things were very personally offensive to him. Not it was like I feel like it was presented as if it were a bigger offense to humanity. But at the end of the day, each of the things was very personally offensive to him. Yeah. Right? So, like, the the rich couple not remembering a single thing that they've had. The actor who ruined his Sunday. The, and, like... The, to be fair, the, the finance bros of any of them are, like, the most deserving. Because what they're doing, like, directly affected yep. him and his own business. And like, not, like, they're personally responsible for some of the actual misery that he's been Right, and then in the, like a the real reviewer, way that they chose to do, and her too, yeah, yeah, but and not, not so much him, but but more so like people of his craft that have been shut down because of her. That's what he was uh, offended, and well, then, and that's but, the the rich guy, Richard, though, was also um, like that was true of too. Is like people like you mm-hmm. do not understand or appreciate in any way, shape, or form that we are giving ourselves mm-hmm. at an elemental level we're giving ourselves to create something for you and you can't even muster appreciation not that we need like a pat on the back but is there even any indication like you could have anything you could just go buy diamonds and eat them Mm -hmm. but that's not what this is we are like slaving to create art purely for your pleasure and it means nothing to you. Yeah. At least, like, the actor and the finance bros, like, appreciate, like, the dollar amount at the end, right? Like, right, right, right. He can't. Well, he's so rich, he can't appreciate the dollar amount. So the least he could do is appreciate the food itself, the experience, what it makes you feel as the diner. Yeah. And he can't even do that. <laughs> I and you you bring all this stuff together, and I feel like the the part of him that is smart, uh, that of chef that is smart is that like I feel like in the end he was like, okay, but one last thing, I'm going to tell somebody exactly what I'm going to do tonight, and if they come, I'm doing it. <laughs> like I feel like that's what Tyler is. <laughs> well, I think well, I I think it was there's probably an element of that. Um, but I think even more, he is meant like I, to go back to my analogy about like the super fan. Like it's to point, it's probably even to point out like how many whether it be actors or athletes or whatever who are just terrible people mm-hmm. that they could do the worst thing and you're still gonna make excuses for them. Like how many people? Yeah. There's a great meme online for um, it's it's from The Simpsons. It's someone's I forget someone trying to shoot someone. I don't watch The Simpsons, so I don't remember the names of the characters. Someone trying to shoot someone else, and someone else is jumping in front of the shot. And on the the person doing the shooting, it says 
totally valid criticism. The person who's <laughs> being shot at is Elon Musk, and the person diving in front of him is a weird nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> every time anyone says a word, even the most valid thing, like, yeah. hey, I think the Tesla's too expensive. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just a, a flood. And this is before he owned Twitter. This isn't having anything yeah, to do with right, him right, owning right. it. This has been going, this has been a meme yeah, for five years just now. Like, the universe that surrounds him. Yeah. yeah, like, anytime you utter a peep, like, it's just like, so, like, when this person does something that like, is actually worthy of criticism, there's still people caping for people like that. And that's what this is. I am going to kill everyone. You decided to come and be a part of that. <laughs> How insane are you? I am actively doing something insane. Now is your chance to be like, ooh, I love your food all this time. Not for me. I'm probably going to call the cops. Yeah. All he does is let his girlfriend know and she gets to make the choice to not die? Yeah. That's insane. That... And then, and then, of course, he brings somebody along because they have he to. He literally brings a hooker. Seated. He oh brings a hooker because yeah. apparently she. he needs to have someone because he's afraid he won't be let in if he doesn't have a, a person. Right. He doesn't want to show up alone because that's going to be personally embarrassing to him. And she's less than a person to him. Yeah. Oh, I paid you. You're a whore. Who cares if you die? Oh, my God. How so fucking bad. insane is that? It's so dark. The whole movie is so dark. I love, though, like, like we've talked about this unfolds like I feel like at a perfect pace throughout the movie. Oh, and absolutely. like, and it's mirrored exactly in the meals, right? Where it's like the first one, you're still kind of like, okay, this is fun and exciting. Where are we going? How weird is this? It's like the first dish is the island, and it's like all the stuff. And then the second dish is the unaccompanied accompaniments, which is like, okay, that's a little up its own ass. And then the third dish, which has again, this is whole story, <laughs> yeah. But the third dish has its whole story about stabbing his dad in the thigh. And the chicken thighs so have the, little scissors. <laughs> Which, I'm so glad that Chekhov's scissors played an actual story role yeah. later on. That's probably my favorite scene when they do the ceremonial stabbing. And like even that, I was yeah. like, my sister was like, what the fuck? This is so weird. Yeah. I was like, it is. But like, honestly, as insane as he is, and like he's going to kill all these people, and that's wrong. And mm-hmm. like, it's, even though some of these people, like we said, like, okay, like, yeah, like, what they do is fucked up. So if someone in this room was going to be worth or w- was going to be worthy of getting killed for, it would be them. They're not actually. None of the things they're doing is actually crimes worthy of execution. Of course not. But he is the only person who takes accountability for what a shit he was. He tells a story. I tried to use my power to abuse this woman sexually. Right. That was wrong. Stab me in the leg to punish me the same way I did to my father who did wrong. I am admitting that I always thought I was the better man than him. And I'm just as bad in a different way. I need to be punished for my own. Like, I, it was, I thought it was a fascinating scene. It was. The, the actual character study on Chef is insane. Yeah. It's, he's an incredibly well-written <laughs> character. And, uh, super cool the way that they choose to unfurl it through his own. Yep. The story that he crafts that he wants to tell that obviously is based in truth, but is yep. also performative at the same time, as well as the research we get into his character, as well as the things that he tells in confidence to... Um, actually, Marga, I keep forgetting her name. Mm-hmm. Like All those things coming together, that sequence is probably my... 
what I think is the funniest, where they all do a terrible job of escaping. Yeah, I love yeah. that Tyler is like, well, no, I want to be here. Like, he knows yeah. that they're all going to die, and he still yeah. showed up. Why would he try to escape? He knew and he was going to well, die. Well, what about, what about when they're coming back, and he's like, what did you get? What did you get while I was out? I want I, Are you not going to eat it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that. What did you get? <laughs> My, although my favorite part of all that is ridiculous and, and hilarious and terrifying as that all was, was the one guy hiding in the, yep. the, the chicken Yep. The, door the, little, just the little reward that he gets. Congratulations for the longest <laughs> surviving person. Enjoy your treat. The guy closes the Yeah. Oh my god. It's it's so it was so funny. It's between I, it's between two things. There's that scene, and we were talking about it earlier when he takes the movie star to task. And it's the first time he does anything actually good in the movie. He says, Well, what about uh, I forget what the assistant's name. Felicity. What about her? Could she go? Yeah. Where did you go to school? Brown. Student loans? No. I'm sorry, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Which that is was, terrible, but also hilarious. Uh, I don't that know. Was, that was good. I, I I stand by my favorite, like the funniest thing for me the, the is the tortilla scene. That's the Tortillas is great, too. That, that is great. The ones that you're mentioning, though, are all fantastic. Yeah. I, uh, I did. One, another one that I really love because, well, the reason why I love the tortilla scene, I love the tortillas. I love the, um, no, you can't have bread scene. Great. Yeah. I loved when the critic was like, no, yeah, this emulsion is broken. And <laughs> she comes back with another broken emulsion bowl <laughs> and puts it on the table. And she's just like, another one. And Chef is just standing there so proud of him. <laughs> It was so big. Oh my gosh. That was great. Like at first in that scene, it looks like he's about to be really upset and do something to one of the other like line cooks. Yeah. Cause it's early enough that you would think like, you don't actually know how insane this is. The situation yeah. is yet. It still looks like a normal way too pretentious, fancy yeah. restaurant experience. And so, yeah, you expect him to go like, again, Gordon Ramsay, he's gonna like slap the shit out of the guy who made the emulsion. It's like, yeah. Cause you can understand like as a critic, you know that, whether or not he likes her or not, he understands how important her opinion is. So you would think, oh, yeah, like that's not going to be me getting mad at the critic. It's going to be me getting mad at the cook who embarrassed me. Yeah. And you also have to assume, like, then by the end of it, like, hers being broken is absolutely intentional. Probably, to evoke, yeah. To evoke her responding to it. And, like, it's, it, it, I just, I love it. Well, yeah, to, to show her how ridiculous, like, you spent your whole career ruining people's lives, and then the people you didn't ruin, it was pay for play. Mm -hmm. Like, how fucked up and corrupt you were in your career because you thought how important your opinion was. And it is, but you didn't realize how important it is. All these people, their lives were ruined because, oh, the emulsion separated a little bit. God right. fucking bit. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So uh, as the story progresses, uh, well, we we've touched on it here and there, but the the mess was the uh, oh, I'm sorry, the mess was the infraction. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, but that that really was. That's when it jumps, right? That's yeah. when it escalates to like, okay, we're we're in tortillas that, was like the taste. Yeah, like that was that was ratcheting up the existential dread from like seven to 11 and the mess is when you actually understand what this is all about. But even that, I love that all of these asshole characters are validating themselves and what they're doing. And like, it's, it's, it's fake. It's fake. It's well, mostly crap. it's her, right? Like, yeah. It's, 
Oh my gosh, that was that was so intense uh, and terrifying and like creepy. It just there was a lot. But um, when when Margot like said like agrees, I guess to be with them, and he's like, there was a barrel that was supposed to be here. It's not here. Go get it for me. It's in the what in the smokehouse. And she goes to get it and finds ends up making. He knows where this is, or he has this whole thing planned out, I guess, which is absurd. Well, it's but, a test, right? What is she going to do? Yeah, but when she goes into his house, so there's a lot of things that are unsettling in the movie. Obviously, intentionally so. For whatever reason, the thing that gave me like like it was like bone chilling was when she walked into his bedroom and it's the restaurant, which and again his- was meant to be, you know, an indication is like this is an unhealthy obsession. Yeah. But like I was like, oh, I was like, of all the ridiculous, absurd, terrible things that have happened so far, why is this? Why is this? <laughs> why am I having a physical like response? Well, why am I like, coiling up? You know what it is? I, not that it's directly an homage to anything in that movie, but in that scene was the strongest connection I felt to like um, Get Out or Us. Yeah. Yep. That was very that, like surreal. Jordan it's, Peele, it's right? that and the and the chase in the woods. Those two things, and yes. actually arriving on the island too. All three of those were very Jordan Peele. Yes, <laughs> that that's uh But it's like so. It's still. It's like so. Like you can't look away. Like you're just like, oh, where is this going? I did love that. Uh, was it Elsa? I think's the character's name. Yeah, that follows her and is creepily behind her. And when she left the knife on the table, I was like, really? The knife on the table, really? But then Ninja moves in the bedroom kitchen to to avoid getting hurt and then killing her. And with her last dying breath being, he never told me to get the barrel. <laughs> like, I just need you to know that I didn't screw up. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so dark. <laughs> well, as I say, she's the one character actually that doesn't fit into the whole th- the whole paradigm of this because early on it's like okay she's playing this role of she's the bad cop or whatever but everyone else you realize is actually here for the long haul and she's the only one who kind of breaks with all of that because really she shouldn't try to interfere with her like that and she shows a bit of jealousy right like where she, yeah. you're not going to replace me she's the only person who breaks rank and I, I i mean i you would say like okay well she paid the price she died everyone else was going to die as well i guess she knew yeah. going in or she guess she wanted to go out on a different terms Mm. That was really kind of the only broken note for what feels like a perfect script otherwise. Yeah. Interesting. I like, well, maybe um, the whole thing, the whole setup of go get the barrel that was supposed to be here. Maybe that was just literally chef testing her as he tests other people in the kitchen. Like maybe that, maybe that's like a little bit of insight into like the psychological manipulation that he's been performing on them the entire time they've been there. I guess so. It could be that still under under stress and test. It could be the one person in this cult who maybe had cold feet. I guess that that could work from that perspective. Yeah. Hmm. I'll I I will go with that just to make it just to put a neat little bow on the whole thing. (laughs) But um, (laughs) my goodness. So moving into uh, so she radio Margot radios for help. Radios quote unquote for help. And that whole scene was also so intense when the Coast Guard shows up and you're like, oh, my God, is this innocent guy going to be killed? Oh, there's a very subtle line that's delivered just before he comes in the room. The Coast Guard comes in the room of like, don't do anything stupid. You know, this man's life is on your hands. 
also ask yourself, why haven't you tried harder already to leave? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, because they all know they're terrible on some level. <laughs> yeah. Well, also the funny thing was, it was like in that moment, it was almost like he was like negging them. Yeah. <laughs> Because like they did make one half-ass attempt to escape, mm-hmm. not even the one that when he's like, "Oh yeah, you guys can all try and escape." Like when John Leguizamo like gets up and like or, and like he's trying to plot with the finance bros, and like the one guy tries to run away. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I all right. I'm I'm uh, I'm making a very rare adjustment. I'm going up to a nine. This movie's a nine. Okay. In talking about it, like I haven't I haven't done this much reflection on it with somebody. It's I'm going up. I'm going up from eight. Okay. It deserves the nine. Um, my God. Because in the end, the s'more, the assault on the human senses, what does he call it? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the marshmallow collar that is made for everybody, and then the chocolate hat, and then he sets him, so he stands in the middle of it and sets himself on fire. That whole thing was absurd. Well, I know I skipped over one major part, but we can go back to it. Yeah. Like. Well, the best part about that was so, like, like I said, my parents had come in towards <laughs> the end and I think my dad went up to bed. My mom went upstairs and she came back downstairs and she was like washing something in the sink or whatever. And so she's kind of like half paying attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so several minutes before that, in the background, you see the chefs making chocolate sauce. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, boom. can't wait to see what that's all about. And then they start the whole thing and they're sprinkling and <laughs> you can't really tell at first what they're doing. And then they put the, the the marshmallow collars on all of them. And, and John's like, what are they doing? And I was like, those were graham crackers, weren't they? And they were making chocolate s'mores. Oh, my God, they're s'mores. She's like, yeah. what? And then they put the chocolate hats on them, and he started talking about it. I was just like, oh, my God. And you know what? No, like, we, we talked about Jordan Peele scenes. The other one is uh, is the, the shot of Lillian with the chocolate hat melting was also also felt very get out to me. Yeah. But but up but, but getting to that point though, uh when Margot was in his house finding out that he did used to love what he did and it was back when it was much more simple and he was flipping burgers and he was taking pride in his work and not like, you know, he was actually being celebrated because of the effort that he was putting in and how delicious his food was. Well, not not just that cuz I noticed that part. So as soon as I saw that I was like, "Huh." And then when she she's Pause everything. I was like, oh, God, she's going to tell him to make a cheeseburger and that's yep. how she's going to get out. But the other part of it that, like, I didn't fully process that, that it's all dovetailed together with it is Gianna noticed this half of it was all of the pictures. He looks fucking miserable. He's smiling in that picture. Yep. It's the only time. Yes. It's the last time he actually enjoyed what he did. <laughs> it's the last time he enjoyed cooking. It, the, <laughs> that whole delivery, too, though, of, like, uh... I would like to send the food back and the way that it throws him. You see him physically thing. react as if she punched him. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, because remember, Tyler said early in the movie, this is not the type of place you fucking send something back to. So like, don't embarrass me, <laughs> which yeah. is him being a douchebag, but of like, course. you child. Also again, yeah, like, let's we'll kill him. Kill oh, him right now at the when, table. <laughs> when he said that, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when when she does it, and the watching this whole like it was almost like them they were speaking code together, where yeah. she like or, and I, actually I love how she ordered. It. I want a che- cheeseburger, a real cheeseburger, not some avant bullshit whatever. Yeah. The f- <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and you they have this whole thing. Yes, uh, how would you like it? Yeah, medium. Um, would you like fries? What sort of fries? You know, curly or? Well, what, does she, what does she say for for twelve? Well, for whatever the price is, it better come with fries. Yes. <laughs> oh, and and uh, sorry for jumping ahead on it, but like paying paying for it in the final scene with cash was yes. just it was just like this perfect icing on the cake. Actually, it was also so great because, like you said, like when he said, also why ask yourself why you haven't tried harder? Yeah, and then. Like you said, part of it is that they that there must be some part of them that realizes how terrible they all are, and to watch like the final stage of acceptance when they've been covered in s'mores materials and are being told they're going to be set mm-hmm. on fire and die, he gives them all a bill and a gift basket, and they yep. all sign the bill. <laughs> yes, they do all pay for it without hesitation. Now, I mean, to be fair, yeah. they're gonna be dead. That's like that bill's not gonna go through. But like, yeah, that was like how you could truly realize they were like, oh wow, we are fucking off. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so that's so great! And then for the for the food to cut, he makes the burger. Also, the way that he made the burger is how I would make it on the. I have a flat top that I have a, like fashioned to yeah. like grill outside, and that's how I make the smash <laughs> burger like that. I was like, I know how good this burger is gonna taste, like it, because that is the like it comes out so good, and like he's he's doing that, and I'm like, this is like you could taste it. That burger looks fantastic well also like that scene, you right? could see him making it with love in a way yes that he didn't and none of them did and he, like they were working so hard but yep. it was so robotic mm-hmm. and you could see the love and care to the least of all the dishes that he's prepared and you could see in him this like kind of inner radiance coming out as he went back to the art of doing something so simple that truly was like, this is something that I want you to actually enjoy. Yeah. And the oh care and like the music, it's like the only time the music's not like terrifying, frankly, in the movie is like kind of mm-hmm. warm, like heroic type of music softly in the background as he's making it. She takes one like luxuriant bite. But oh, oh wait, also his, his subtle smile as he's making it. Yes. All right. Back to his roots. Yeah. But go on. That's her, her bite of it. She takes her bite of it and then is immediately, she, again, she has not eaten anything all day. No. To be fair, at this point, she's so horrified and filled with adrenaline and adrenaline crash and more adrenaline that she probably can't mm-hmm. eat anything right now. But even in that moment, I was like, because you could tell how deeply she reached him. Yeah. You know what, that. What, she, what did she go. say, though? She's like, is it? She said, like, that's a damn good burger or something like she's that. She's like, yeah, that's a damn good burger. And then yeah. she's like, I'm sorry, my <laughs> eyes were a bit too big. Could I take this home? I For a moment, I was like, I thought that was going to shatter the illusion. Mm-hmm. But that that was the tacit acceptance of you're the only person here who actually understands yeah, and has a chance to go out and do something about it in a meaningful way, a way mm-hmm. that me and my cult can't do. We are resigned right. to this. We can see how ridiculous this is, but we, there is no coming back for us. And yeah. for the other people, they're not going to learn their lesson. They're going to get a scare, and they'll be better for a week. Mm-hmm. But they'll go back to being shits. Like, they will. Yep. Yep. Uh, I also thought, like, like to the... It is funny because it's like a permission thing, right? Like, can I can I have that to go? It's like, are we are we good? Like, yeah. I'm gonna like, I don't, I shouldn't be here. You know, I shouldn't be here. Like, we're like, and he's like, he's gonna. But like, there's also something to the fact of like, I do want this later though. Like, yeah, what can she think? Like, what when she finally escapes yes. and the things are blowing up behind her, like fireworks. She takes it out and she eats it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was so, that was a perfect a perfect way to cap it off. 
And oh, and so that was the final title card. There was the s'more, and it was like chocolate, graham cracker, marshmallow, the cooks, and the patrons. <laughs> like it was all listed. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's the meal. <laughs> oh man, so good. I I I really liked it. Just, oh yeah, I liked it, it way more than I expected I would. Same. I was a little afraid that it was gonna be like a grisly. Like gruesome. Like gross, like, like grindhouse yeah. type of movie. I was like, I yep. don't, don't want that. And I'm no. so pleased. Pleasantly surprised. That. Yeah. Like, yeah, part of me, like, so, like, I had, like I said, I, I'm changing it to a nine. Part of it was, like, going in, I expected that. So, like, was, is my high score part of the shock value? If that's not what I got, I actually got something that I actually do really like. And then in talking about it with you, I was like, no, no, I, I really appreciate everything they did in this movie. Like I'm going nine. <laughs> this is the type of movie where like, I'm a, fr- I, I wish I remembered some of the lines more clearly where I even would have like, and considering it short enough, like I would have considered watching it again before we did the episode. Mm-hmm. But part of me didn't want to break the illusion of enjoying it so much. Where like, I want to look forward to watching it again somewhere down yeah. the line. Oh, dude, like speaking of, speaking of lines though, like when the the other thing uh, that Elsa when she whispers into the finance bro's ear, I can't remember the exact thing, but it was something along the lines of like, you'll get you'll get uh, exactly what you need and far more than you deserve. But she whispers it in his ear in the most eerie and oh no, I, I think it was uh, you'll get less than you want and more than you deserve. Or something. Yes, that's what it is. That's what it is. And I was just like, I was like, oh. That was and a mic also, drop moment. <laughs> that it was. And also it's like so much like if you've worked in the food industry at all, like the amount of times you want to say shit like that to people because they are horrible. Like people treat food industry workers horribly. Well, they treat service people. And like that in, also is one of the yeah. messages of this. It's certainly the least of the messages, but it's clearly there. Because think about it. A, a man paid a <laughs> prostitute. Yeah. To accompany him to cover his shame and also to die because he viewed her as less than a human. Yep. They all treat service people like utter shit, which is why these service people are going to take them out with them in a blaze of glory, literally and metaphorically. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, the food service injury, uh, industry probably gets it the worst. But any, I, I was a valet for a long time. Mm-hmm. plenty of people treat me so very nicely and a lot mm-hmm. of them were shits just absolute yeah. shits and it's like dude well it's like uh when tyler goes up to talk to the guy as he's preparing the food and when he goes back to sit at the table margo's like he's like he's just like ah. he's like they, he knew my name and margo's like did you get his and he goes no and he like brushes it off i'm like oh that made Actually, me i miss that line but yeah that is super <laughs> gross <laughs> Also, like, they ask, like, very fundamental, simple things, and he immediately and obnoxiously and consistently breaks, like, the one of the few rules they gave. He's taking yeah. pictures constantly. It was, like, one of the few things they asked him not to do. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, oh, the fact they so use that gross. as the picture on the tortilla? Yes. Perfect. Amazing. Oh, my God. So good. What a, f- what a, what a treat this movie was. This movie is way better than... I like it had, had any right to be because I was I was looking up early on because we didn't talk about it at all. The writers and directors are fairly unassuming. Like one of the writers has like very few credits. The other one has written a bunch of um, this week tonight or last week tonight, whatever the John Oliver. Oh, okay. Is. Um, and the director is Mark Mylod, who is a name that I recognize. I had to look up. He's directed, I think, some Succession episodes, some Game of Thrones episodes. Mm. Um, 
couple of things like that. But he really hasn't the affair done a ton. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's I love it. I I, I just the one of the like the biggest praises that I can give the movie is that like, and this is what I was telling. I've, I've been I've been telling people all week like watch this like if you can if you can do the psychological thriller like be uncomfortable a little bit like it's absolutely worth it and it is so good i watched this movie i was like the the best praise that i can give it it is it is unlike anything else i've watched yeah i like i said there there is a little bit of jordan peele influence to this but Mm -hmm. other than that this is not quite like most other things i've seen man what a film anything else no i think uh i think that's about it well, that's it for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Albie Olsi. Thanks for coming out. The last word. What is it? <laughs> the last word on The Last of Us. The last word on The Last of Us. The Last of Us started Sunday uh, as of this recording a few days ago. Um, as far as the reviews are concerned, I haven't read any because I had heard that they actually gave the entire season to reviewers. So like, they, they did, which you, usually for like a show like this, you'd probably give like the first eight episodes or something like that. Right. And wait until like the final two weeks to give the final two episodes or something like that. Yeah. I, there, there's probably something to it in that. Like if you're a fan and you're looking at this stuff, it's not going to be that crazy if something were spoiled because they are following the story of the game. So it's not that big of a deal to know where it's going. Maybe that's why it's like kind of safer to do that. But at the same time, I feel like it shows a lot of confidence. It does. I mean, they have the embargoes in those punishments tend to be strict like your access is your lifeline in that business sure so sure um i still haven't had a chance considering i watched it like 24 hours ago um to read any of the actual reviews on it (laughs) i I i'm not reading any of them well there was a couple i want to read what septimal had my close personal friend alan septimal has to say about (laughs) it and um he was one of the people like extolling his virtues and he's like listen i didn't play the game fucking loved it um and he's not gonna spoil final episode shit and something he wrote this week. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. Like, he may talk about some things that happened in the season and he may indicate his feelings towards the season as a whole, but he's not going to spoil shit like that. So I'm not concerned with reading his thing. And also yeah. I know the broad strokes of what goes down from editing Brian's pieces on the games. So sure. um, the, it, it's funny because I was able to track a lot of what happened in the first, ep- like before the time jump. Um, I knew more or less what was coming. I couldn't sure. remember the exact details of it, but I knew. Well, I guess we're going full spoilers. Yeah, we're we're in spoiler. When we talk the last word on the Last of Us, it is spoilers for the episode. I so. I, I knew Joel's daughter died before. Of course, everything yeah. proceeds. Big so. big plot point. Yeah, yeah. And I can see going into it fresh though. As if you're not a person who has played the game, like that is. I mean, it got Kim. She was like, ooh, I don't... She's like, mm, I don't like that. <laughs> well, because your natural assumption is going to be that it's Tommy who dies, right? Sure. If you're... Because like, yeah. you figure if somebody's going. going, it's and it's probably going to be him. Yeah. It makes... That would that would make sense. And I like the... 
Well, I, I'm going to reserve my uh, statements for a minute. I am curious, like over, like how, what were your thoughts on the episode and the story so far and the characters? Like, I want to hear what your take on it. So I have some like different like stream of consciousness. I didn't write anything down on it, but That's I have fine. some stream of consciousness things that like I'll pr- try and recreate as best I can, like chronologically to how I was watching it. So my first thought was, man, John Hannah looked ancient. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, like, if, well, it threw me for a second because I was like, wait, isn't that the guy from the Mummy? He looks yeah. so old. I paused the I paused the show and I was like, "Do you know who that is?" And Kim was like, "I do, but I can't place it." And I said, "Glenn Livett, twelve years old." And she goes, oh, "The mummy." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, um, but that scene mm-hmm. was horrifying because yeah. I didn't know the nature of these zombies. And we started talking about it. And I was like, "Oh, that is too real." It doesn't matter that we're in the middle of a pandemic. This game was created 10 years ago before this happened. And also, like, yeah, fungus has always been weird. Like, mm-hmm. and, like, the fact that, I mean, I guess I've never been worried, actually worried before this pandemic happened about an actual viral pandemic before. Maybe that's me being naive. The thing I've always sure. been more concerned with was, when you hear about some of these, like, antibiotic-resistant bacterias, that's yeah. what I was probably more afraid of. Mm-hmm. as a down-the-line issue. And then to hear something like that, and, you know, obviously it's a bit heavy-handed, the whole thing about, like, well, what if the planet's got warmer? Like, yeah, I know, I know but, but in that delivery, you're like, fuck. Yeah, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, no. Well, so, <laughs> and, and the, like, coupled with the fact that, like, it wasn't, a, like, a surprise to me. I know about the zombie yep. ant fungus thing. Like, that is something I'm already familiar with, and I was like... Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I remember hearing about that, like, for the first time, like, 15, 20 years ago, like, and, and, and being like, what? What? <laughs> this is a thing? Yeah, and I was like, ugh, don't yeah. like this. Nope. Um, Unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then to see that all start to, like, to have that moment, it was like, oh, that's gross, and also hopefully unrealistic, but also plausible. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And then just like, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like how this goes, am I? And then to see it actually in action, I was like, oh, I like this even less than I anticipated. Yep. Um, did not like, and it was like, without knowing what was like coming in any way, shape, or form, like when she goes over to the next door neighbor and it's so obviously done out of focus and you see her hands yeah. move, and I'm like, no. Honestly, no. It wasn't even the hands; it was the head going back and the mouth opening that got me. It was so creepy. Well, but like considering we've already been like led to believe that she's kind of incompetent mm-hmm. in whatever way, like she's not fully uh, like full of her functions at that. To, to to know that she can't feed herself and to see her yeah. hands move like that, it's like, oh, that's gonna mm-hmm. be bad. Yeah, I already don't like that these zombies move. I guess I got accustomed to the Walking Dead zombie yeah. being so unthreatening from that perspective. To watch them like chasing and like doing acrobatics and shit, it was like, do not like. Yep. Um, there's something inherently more terrifying about a zombie that's intent isn't to feed. I think intellectually, psychologically, we can all get to a perspective. Okay, we're down to our base functions the one of the absolute core functions is you must eat to survive and so a zombie trying to eat you and the byproduct being that if it doesn't succeed in eating you is that you will turn into a zombie and propagate it that way i think something we've all come to terms with it's part of why 28 days later is so terrifying and it's part of why this one's so terrifying because the 
And again, this is also a core animal function that we don't think of consciously is just to propagate, right? It is one of the things yep. that all life has, including mm-hmm. ourselves. Our sex drive is driven primarily through trying to reproduce. Yeah, of course it feels good. And we love that part of it as well, but like that is a incentive that is yeah. driven to make us try to do the reproduction part of it. And so when you consider this, like these zombies don't care about the feeding. It's about the propagating part of it. Yeah. There's something even more insidious and malevolent about that psychologically. I think that makes yep. there an, an added level of horror that I hate and like how yep. it happens where it's just like, we're just going to like stick these gross tendrils out of our mouth. Oh, and- the, 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 the fungus tentacle thing was new. And I was like, oh, yeah, don't, like, don't want to see that. Unsubscribe. Um, yeah. Well, but, I, but actually, before before those tentacles came out, when uh, Sarah walks into the room and the wheelchair's empty, I was like, uh, wheelchair's empty. Yeah, no, I was the first time <laughs> I had it. I was like, I was like oh, come on. Well, because it was like proof. Like, you see her hands move, and it's like, oh, that's going to yeah. be bad. Like, at some point and in the, the probably in your future. Yeah, yep. dog barking, and then you see the empty wheelchair, and it's like, oh, come yeah. on. You know, it's what I love, like up until this point so far that we're talking, it's like so many, there's been so many scenes throughout at this point that are like one for one pieces, like as far as like, oh, sorry, not up to this point, but like where that starts is like that are one for one shots from the, from the game. They, they, they took some really, they take key moments that happen in the game, like cutscenes. And they recreated them on screen. You know, they might change where the character is standing or how the camera is angled, but that's because it's, I mean, these people are making a TV show and they know how to do that better. And like, it, it is, it is definitely better framed the way that they're doing it in the television show. But like the, like, this is a key moment. We respect that this story is already amazing. We will show you the key moment. Like, I love that they did that. And that the way that they're filling, they are filling in pieces in between that the game didn't get to, because it would have been like too, too adjacent to the actual playing of and experiencing the game whereas like in television land you want that you want that story that's what you're here for you're here to see how it unfolds and whatnot and there's different characters and it's like well well i heard that i've from what i understand that's going to be true for the whole rest of the show where heavy sections are going to be faithfully recreated as well as other, we're going to get perspectives of other characters that you wouldn't have gotten in the game because yeah. you always followed Joel and Ellie's story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I know they've teased Nick Offerman plays someone fairly yep. important that you stumble across. Apparently, they get basically like a standalone episode almost. That's, That's yeah, that that makes sense. That goes back to like I think even prior to the whole pandemic starting. Awesome. So, like he plays Bill. Is that right? It's, it's Bill and Frank or something like that. It's okay. What I forget what the names. It's like two random dude names that like I know that they're from the game and I forget yeah. which one's which I'm trying to, yeah I'm trying to look at where yeah Nick Offerman plays Bill that makes sense okay, okay. cool yeah so, I like, yeah awesome. I, I'm so I'm, I'm curious to see how all that starts to unfold to start off with once you get past the jump to this and, and all of that was terrifying and like just mm-hmm. like in like a thriller type of sense of way of like the, the tension of trying to escape you keep getting cut off. You keep getting cut off. Seeing some of the terrible decisions made by not just them, so many people, and watching mm-hmm. how this unravels so sudden. That's the one thing I always find interesting 
about these types of zombie movies or whatever is what it takes to get to the point and then for it to devolve so fast. Like it shouldn't happen that fast, right? Mm -hmm. But there is something thrilling about doing it that way, right? Like, shouldn't this be something that happens slowly? Like you like I actually probably Shaun of the Dead did it the best where where you keep hearing like a news story where like, oh, there's like these three sick people. Yeah. And like it takes half an hour to get to the outbreak or whatever. But like you mm-hmm. keep hearing a rising like, oh, there's a guy who's behaving weird in the background on that scene. You see a news report about these like three people who were hospitalized after being bit by someone who was insane on drugs. And like you realize it takes a few days for it to happen. And to be fair yeah. in this, like you get like, okay, there's some sirens earlier that day, but like, it's still like, it feels like it's probably not true. It's just because you end with a time jump, but it feels like the country fell apart in like a day. Yeah. And that's, it, it definitely does. I will say I've been the one I'm not watching reviews, but I am watching like funny things that pop up on this. And there is, there's this whole, there are people that are really following this thread that it's flour that caused all of this. Like and baking flour. Yeah. So they'll go, <laughs> they went back and like, there was the whole thing about Jakarta. And if you listen on the news, like it's a developing story that's been happening for a while, but something's going on and it's not great. And it is what they're, they start to experience in this episode, but it seems like it's been going on there for a little bit. And then like, there's like this whole thing about them being like a major exporter of flour. Mm. And why are Joel and Sarah and Tommy not infected? Well, they, they didn't have the, the pancake, pancake mix. mix. They didn't eat the biscuits. They didn't, she didn't eat the cookies because there were raisins in them instead of chocolate chips. Okay, like this whole, that's this whole, funny. right. I just thought that was, and like, that may not be a thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, not sure how much wheat flour we import from Indonesia. Well, sure. But, but <laughs> I, I, but I like the idea of like, if it were an import, right. That had the, like that carried this thing that like then got on the shelves and spread, it would make sense that within a certain amount of time, it was developing relatively quickly in that area because like it spread everywhere. Well, that, that part makes sense. Cause uh, even like she asked the, was it Sarah, the daughter, she, like she asked the, mm-hmm. the questions early on that I also had in this specific instance, but is a question I have broadly, like how does it spread so fast? Like, yeah. okay, like, it starts from one spot, and then it goes, whatever, like, and, like, that's real pandemic, like, exponential growth, all that stuff. Like, we, we dealt mm-hmm. with that a couple of years ago, learning about this together in real time. Whether you knew it or not, you learned the real realities of it during this. Um, but when she's asking about the neighbor, oh, they kept taking her to the hospital for treatment. That's probably how she city. got it. Yep. So that part's a little confusing. It's probably one of those things where, like, if you examine it too closely, like the plot of any of it, whether it be the game or the show just can't work, but it's like, sure. There's a certain amount of people who get infected and then they start spreading it by actively infecting each other. Mm -hmm. But no one gets sick from just exposure after that. So they haven't touched on that yet. Well, I'm just saying, because like at this point, you have these people in this quarantine zone, and they check everyone to make sure that no one comes in and is going to spread it in the quarantine zone. But mm-hmm. we assume that those people are going to spread it, considering they, like, once you're infected, they have the whole thing. Within three to five minutes, yep. you're, it's in your bloodstream, and within 10 to 15 minutes, it's in your core, and then within 20 minutes or half an hour, whatever, it's in your extremities. Like, So like, yeah. there's a timeline on that. You know there's a concern. You have to deal with it right off the bat to make sure that person doesn't 
like you know, quote unquote turn and then start spreading it with the next person. There's yeah. an element of you could be in the mode where you might start doing that, but you still have the ability to speak and behave near to normal, but you know, look out for slurred speech, twitching uh-huh. movements. That's a person who's infected, but they don't seem to be worried about breathing anymore. No one's wearing masks anymore. Past that opening scene. It's only yeah. direct contact they're concerned with. Yeah. It's, I don't know if they're, if they're abandoning that piece of it from the game, just because it, it may be a little bit clunky to, to write and like to actually perform. But like in the game, when there's spores detected, you like, you'll put a mask on and like, okay. And stuff like that. But I, I mean, they will, but although I would assume that they're, maybe they won't considering when they find that guy in the train station, you would think there'd be spores yeah, there, right? Yeah, exactly. That's so. Uh, that's why I think they're, they're not. And I think maybe Brian might have mentioned something to me about them not even pursuing that piece of it. Just and it, I, I'm okay. I I get it. Like it's just, I understand too. It's just like if we're gonna start right off the the beginning, it's like it's so hard unless you start with a patient zero. Like one person mm-hmm. gets infected somehow, and like if like if you heard a news report, oh, um, there was a memorial held for the nurse who worked for thirty years who was. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. died because she was attacked by a patient who wasn't restrained properly, and it's like, okay, like that's how it started. It yeah. could work that way, and I, I know I'm nitpicking, but it was just like, like very sure. early on. I was just like, uh, it doesn't yeah. quite and, jive properly, and not to not to give it um, like a pass on any of this stuff, but like in in a similar vein as The Walking Dead, as the story progresses, another episode, maybe two, it's gonna very much become. It's not about that thing anymore it's about what society becomes of course i know what that's what it's actually about actually i've heard that that's like a whole thing is like there's actually not a ton of actual zombies from this point on from what i understand it's much more about the people yeah it's going to be about what's going on with people the horrors that you're going to see out in the world and in the moments where you think you might have a breath, oh, there's also still this other threat that we have to be concerned yeah. about that, like, you know, takes a back seat because of all this other ridiculous stuff that's going to happen. But, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, be- both back back to the beginning of, as far as scenes that were, like, slightly altered, like, the whole, they did a really great job with the getting in the truck and driving scene. Like, they, like some of the shots are one for one, like pulling up to the streets and deciding which way to go. And, like, it's like in that scene in the game, you are playing as Sarah and you're able to, to look around in the backseat of the car as they're deciding where to go and whatnot. Um, and the whole thing happens where the car gets hit, but it's uh, in the game, it's you're hit by another car. And, like, they almost do that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. They're not doing that. They're going to do something else. And then they, they do the whole plane pulling out of the sky thing. I was like, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is TV. <laughs> yeah. It's not TV though. It's HBO. Wow. Um, <laughs> great. I, I feel like it was a great execution. On, um, like just before the time jump, I thought the performances up into like, I've, I thought they were fantastic. I thought every, I feel like everybody was bringing. Yeah. And I was really happy with it. We had a couple of random cameos already. Like I said, we had John Hanna in that one scene. He's good in that scene. Yep. And then you had, <clears throat> what is it? Is it Brad Leland or whatever? I forgot. Did you watch Friday Night Lights, the, sh- the show no. or the movie? Either one. No. Um, he was in both actually playing the same, but also different characters. The, 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 the neighbor. Um, oh, okay. He um, was like a pretty important character in the show. He played the father of one of the main characters. Well, okay. she, she was one of the main characters early on in the show. And, and he really runs throughout like the whole show. Cause he's like the biggest booster of like the town school, like of the school like team. So 
um, I guess anytime you need a Texan character actor, you'll cast him. <laughs> so, sure. It was funny to see him. It was also a little weird to see him. Like he looks so old now, like not that he ever looked young, but he had like, you know, graying hair to now like white hair. And that was a shock to me, <laughs> but, uh, but it was just some weird random cameos already in this, in this show. Um, yeah. The whole, the whole intrigue where I was like trying to get my feet under me when they get started in the quarantine zone after the time jump, seeing like the fact that Joel, that there is no Tommy. He's probably still grieving. even though it's 20 years later, the loss of his daughter. He has a new mm-hmm. relationship, which actually for whatever reason was a little shocking to me. Like not just that he had a relationship, but also like the nature of it was uh, unexpected for whatever reason, considering I've spent about 12 minutes with this guy at this point. Um, oh, with, with Tess, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it'll. I think they'll probably develop a little bit more, but it's. I feel like it's more about just companionship and survival versus an actual. No, that's fine. I, I'm not objecting. Yeah. I was just. For, I don't know why I was surprised to see him like in the middle of like a like a pretty deep relationship at that point. It was just, mm. so. It, it what little I already knew about the character for some reason it shocked me. I it probably shouldn't have. Like I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Twenty years is a long time for anyone. Um, and yeah. we haven't heard anything at this point about what happened to his original wife. I guess, but right. Um, certainly this indications I'm sure the broken watch had something to do with it, but, um, yeah, I do love that. Uh, that was, that was another game scene that they like almost, almost a one for one shot, but like your watch is broken and the sigh <laughs> while he's laying on the couch. I was like, yeah, this, this is so good. <laughs> um, but beyond that watch, I was a little surprised how quickly they got into the firefly thing. I was, cause I knew that that was a thing in the story. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why. I just, I guess, I assumed that would be a kind of a more down the line thing. Maybe you get a reference to it. I was surprised to see them just in the middle of this like insurgency and war. Like, oh yeah, to get that all kicked off so early in the story was a little surprising to me. Mm. It's, it's, it's. I mean, it's again. That's like another part that is one for one. That's like exactly where like you when you pick up the controller as Joel. Like this is it starts the same way. Like it's it's moving pretty quickly. Sure, but I guess with with television where you have some time to unfold this sort of thing, I, Mm -hmm. I guess I assumed you want to spend more time developing what living here is like before you share to the fact that people want to change how that is. Mm, Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Not a criticism, just an observation. Yeah, for sure. What did you think of uh, Ellie? What did you, what was the name that she gave the fake name? I don't remember. (laughs) Uh, I don't remember. Um, She's annoying, but I'm sure she's supposed to be. (laughs) Yep. Um, Yeah. Sure. She'll be interesting. Her, I do, she definitely, like, she got the abrupt vulgarity down perfect, which is, like, ends up becoming, like, kind of an endearing Mm. quality of the character as the story goes on, especially as the relationship blossoms between her and Joel. So that's, that was cool to me. I I know that was one of the ones where I was, like, the hardest thing you can do in a, like, in an adaptation for this is is cast. Like, how do you cast somebody, especially when, like, we're talking, like, mo-capped video game like where the character has a face that you already anticipate the character has a voice that you anticipate because of the voice actor that played them meanwhile they come out of the gate swinging i find pedro pascal as joel to be like immediately convincing to me and like i love it i was like okay cool let's see how is this going to play out with uh when him and ellie come together and him throwing her against the wall like immediately and then standing on her and her cursing him out i was like oh they they got it. I don't know they how did. they got it, but they got it. Like it all works. 
Well, like, she's, is... she's pretty inspired casting as well. I mean, I, she became kind of a fan favorite when she was first introduced in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And uh, there are certain similarities and certain differences to this character, but uh, I don't know. It was pretty inspired, I, I thought. Um, yeah. Although she has a wildly different voice in this than she did in that show. Um, I do think the voice is meant to, yeah, it's meant to evoke more of the character from the game to be a little bit closer. Yeah. No, um, that, that, that makes sense. And the and Joel's gruffness is definitely like it's funny because I, if I understood I feel like I I read something or heard some interview where like Pedro Pascal was like not gonna play the game specifically to not try to do the character the way that somebody else already did it, that which I sense. I can appreciate that take, but then the, then to see him come out of the gate doing the character exactly as I expect the character to be is a real testament to the writing of the character I feel like because like they must have like whatever the character points are that he's going to go over or reading through the story and understanding who this person is like it's, it's a great adaptation, but it's also very close to the other performance, even if he wasn't intending for it to be. It's cool. That was it Neil Druckmann. Is that who it is? Like, yeah. That he's the one who made the game and is also making the show. Um, note to people who want to do adaptations, maybe let the person who did the original thing stay yeah. pretty closely involved. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it doesn't always have to be, that closely involved where the guy who made the one thing is also going to be the the co-lead of the making of this thing. But like just sitting down with them for an hour, one time is probably not enough involvement either. Maybe let them be an active part of the creative process. Yes. So that they can, you know, really give you what actually was inspiring the work that was done the first time to let you know what makes sense to cut and what doesn't to be a sounding board, to be a sanity check. To be, you know, your inspiration for what all of this it doesn't have to be someone you go to like, you know, hey, mom, did I do good? But like mm-hmm. it, that person should probably be pretty thoroughly involved with like the writing and creating of the thing. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. <laughs> uh, it is cool to have um, of all the characters. Uh, Marlene is Marlene from the game, which is really funny. With the same the actress? Same, same actress, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's which cool. is pretty cool to have at least some some direct connection. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so that that's that's fun. They I, I am I am so so excited to see it unfold over the next however many weeks it's going to be eight weeks maybe I don't know I, I think it's nine episodes is that I'm actually not sure I can take but, it um, quick. There's there's so much there's so much incredible stuff that's going to be happening. And I'm already so, so like even down to the costumes, like the costumes are like exactly the costumes. Like <laughs> they're just like, it, it just very much feels like the thing that I played and experienced turned real, which is kind of like, it's been a minute. So like kind of how you remember it is like almost like this realism to it. And it's, it's really just wonderful. And I can't, I I'm so, I'm so excited for Sunday now. <laughs> <laughs> it is nine episodes. Cool. Yeah, there's a man. Every I feel like they're they're probably going to make it so that every episode has a gut punch moment similar to Sarah. That's going to be a tough act to follow. Mm, you'd be surprised. <laughs> well, sure, I guess. Oh, I, oh, in when I in the whole uh, the whole flower rambling, I forgot that he didn't bring home a cake. Oh, yeah, that's true. I also I I don't know when I was watching it. I guess it didn't really register for me how long that first episode was. Yeah, it was was like an hour and twenty minutes or something. Yeah, 
because I think yeah. going forward, it's going to be pretty like standard hour-ish. They're going to just tight. Tighten. tighten it, it, it makes sense for the story that they told. I mean, you basically need, it's almost probably a half an hour on the whole, what's ultimately the prologue, right? Yeah, that's probably what it was, right? There is an hour episode with a tacked on prologue. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh, and to bring, and to have the music, the OG music, like, it's so good. That guitar is just so incredibly linked to those stories. Hmm. Ugh. Yeah, that's something that's less on me, obviously, so. Sure, but it's great music, so yeah, I'm no, sure I, you'll, I you'll appreciate it as it goes any on. Any objection to the music at all so far, so. Any notes, on, any further commentary before we, uh. No, I mean, I found it interesting where they've chosen to like to meet out where like the action is versus what they're going to show off screen like when they break into the Firefly headquarters not realizing that's what it is mm-hmm. and everyone's dead and it's like oh what happened here whereas yeah. like you know you see like that like freaking ridiculous over the top action sequence during the prologue um so I'll be curious to see what the balancing of all that is going forward because I thought they shot the action well it was pretty frenetic in that opening scene but it's supposed to be um, watching the cameras flip around as they're trying to drive to and from and they're going yeah. forward and reverse and they're spinning here. Like, that was pretty slick stuff. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how they continue to evolve that going forward. So For sure. For sure. Awesome. Well, tune in next week for The Last Word on The Last of Us. Is that what it was? Yes. Nailed it. 